1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Every Friday I talk to somebody from our uh, morning show. I talk to Greg, Dan, Caleb. Uh, Greg Batten, you've drawn the short straw this week. How you doing, buddy? Yay me. <laughs> I'm real good. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. I took up a new hobby today. Uh-huh. I figured today was the perfect day to learn how to be a roofer. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, anything so, outdoors. Maybe um, yeah. work on a farm all day. Yes, I'm uh, farming and roofing today, right. and I feel great. Yeah. I feel, yeah. So far, I think I'm not dying, but <laughs> we'll see how the rest of the day goes. In all seriousness. Dang, dude, it, it's hot. hot. It is hot. It is hot. Yeah, hot. No, I was going to say, in all seriousness, anyone walking outside or, like, working outside, please be careful. Uh, it's been very, very hot. Uh, what do you do to manage the heat, Greg Batten? Well, here's something that's going on in my house, and I would love to know what you guys do. So my, my wife really does not like closed curtains. Mm-hmm. She likes them open. She likes the sunlight coming into our house. Yes. Right? And so the other day, I tried to make the case, if you will, that it would save us a little money and our house would stay cooler if instead of opening up all the curtains uh, that we do every morning, that maybe over these hot days we keep those closed. Uh-huh. And uh, we, I was somehow allowed to do that yesterday. I'm not sure if Yvonne wasn't paying attention or what, right. but somehow it, it, wor- it worked. Now, do you do that at your house? So first, I love that you said at the tail end that you were somehow allowed to do that because on the, yeah. off, chance oh, yeah. that, on the off chance that she finds out, uh, you're not going to be given permission anymore. Um, I, I love that. That is correct. Yeah, no, the same is true of my house, and especially, and I've talked about this before, just for, like, sleeping reasons. I bought really fancy blackout curtains for all of our upstairs bathroom right when we first moved in. Because I'm like, I want a pitch black situation. I want to be able to sleep any time of the day. It doesn't matter. My wife hates it. And my favorite part, the whole time we were at Home Depot buying these curtains, Greg, she didn't tell me. She just looked at me like, this is very sweet. He thinks he's going to have a very pitch black room. And then we get home, and all she does is open the curtains. And every time I'm like, wait, why are they open? She goes, because that's what's supposed to happen. They, they need to be open so the sunlight oh wakes us up. So I, I love she it. just let you go ahead. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is so She hilarious. stood behind me like, this is so nice. Yeah. He's so silly yeah. to think he's making this decision. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you that 100% I try to close the curtains. They do not stay closed in my house. That's uh, funny. Well, I did find myself yesterday afternoon. I was home alone. Uh, Yvonne was working. My son was working. And so I'm home, and the curtains are closed, and it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm doing some computer stuff, yep. and I'm sitting in there, and I felt weird, to be honest with you. It was very depressing. I was like, I know, I know it's cooler, and I know it's better for the air conditioning and all that. I said, but it feels real, like like real like I'm my grandpa. My grandpa <laughs> always had a dark house. Okay. And it just it just felt kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah. I like your grandpa then. I'm I'm totally in on that. Um yeah. but you're you're right. At two o'clock in the afternoon you probably should have some amount of sunlight uh, creeping through the windows. <laughs> um I, yeah. what else do you guys do? Are there any other things like stay hydrated, all the stuff you see online? Nah. Nah. All right. Nah, none of it. None of it. Fair now, I will say this. I did read something the other day. And, and I don't know if it's true or not, but in the studio, the, the WMD studio, we have several windows with mini blinds, right? And I read the other day that in hot weather or even in the, just the summer, just in the summer, you should make sure that the slats are pointed up and not down. 
You know wow. what I mean? You twist yes. that little rod, you know? Yeah. And the, and, the, and, the, and the theory is that if you twist it up, then the sunlight comes in, is reflected up, and the heat goes to the ceiling of the room. Wow. As opposed to the bot, and, and so it gets away from you. And it supposedly, supposedly will keep the room cooler. I have not tried that out, and I don't have mini blinds in my house, so yeah. I don't know. I'm going to try that out today. I'll see what happens. Okay. I'll see if I'm allowed. I don't know if that will be changed, okay. too. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Yeah. I-, I saw a poll yeah. out there. You guys might have talked about it this morning, too. Is it iced tea or iced tea? You know, I briefly saw that. We did not talk about it. And the, and the question is, I, I-C-E or I-C-E-D? Right. Is it, is it, I, is it past or present tense? I, you know what? I tried to figure out what I say. I think I say ice without the D. I think that's what I say. Wow. But I, what, I, what I believe it is, is ice. Right. Yeah, no, I you know definitely. I, mean? I don't think I. I, I yeah, definitely say ice. I guess they say that both are technically correct. Neither is wrong. I definitely say iced. Um, 49% of Americans say that. 20% say iced. There's two things that make you more likely to say iced than iced tea. The first one is age. I guess young people say ice a lot. The second one is race. If you're black or Hispanic, you're actually more likely to say iced tea, not with the D at the end of it, uh, not iced tea. And I think my wife does call it ice tea, and she is Hispanic, so I don't know. I don't know where that comes from, but I guess those that are the reasons why. Very, right. That's very cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking but, of drinks, yep. can I put a clue? Uh, uh, put something out there. Sure. I did talk about this this morning. I went to McDonald's. They don't go there very often. My son wanted to go, so I went with him, and I was the guy driving. And so when I saw this on the screen, I ordered it. Uh, McDonald's now has this Sprite lemonade frozen drink. Right, is like a like a like an icy kind of yeah, a thing. I got you. You know, dude, dude, dude. This is one of the best things I've ever had. Really, it's crazy, crazy good. Okay, crazy See, good. There's only one so, problem with it. It doesn't have any caffeine in it, does it? No, zero. Yeah, zero. See, that's that's no, a problem. No, that, no, there's there's two problems. No caffeine, <laughs> also no vodka. Oh yeah, there's no yeah. vodka. Well, if it had because vodka, it would be. Yeah, yeah. It well, it would just be the perfect summer drink. Yes. It's the perfect summer drink. No, you're right. If it had vodka, I wouldn't need the caffeine anymore. I, either or, I guess, is the option for oh, me. Oh, it's an either or thing. Yeah. That's nice to know, yeah. that when Craig Collins gets up in the morning, he is thinking to himself, you know, I could do one of two things this morning. <laughs> I could have a nice <laughs> cup of coffee with caffeine or just a big old slug of Tito's. Just, just a couple either shots way, of vodka. Okay. Yeah. And I've never. Either, okay, either way, I'm going to be fine. I've never started my day with the vodka, but the day I do, that probably means things are definitely going the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. Call me. I'll come over and help you. I'll come over and help. All right, cool. Um, another thing I saw out there: there's a new rule on airplanes that is about bathrooms. Uh, airplanes now have to be big enough, uh, or air, bathrooms on airplanes now have to be big enough for two people. Uh, that is a government requirement that uh, it needs to be large enough. That not just one human can get into the bathroom, but two. There's not a lot of reasons as to why this is happening, and I'm sure there's a lot of jokes out there on social media about this. Uh, what are your feel- feelings about the bathroom size increasing on the plane? Let me ask you this. Where did your mind immediately go when you read that story? We all know where it goes. My mind, yeah, I, I assume, I goes. Yeah, go ahead. Mine did, too. Mine okay. did, too. Okay. Mine did, too. Uh-huh. The minute you said that, I'm like, okay, Mile High Club, I get it. <laughs> they want more members. Right. They want more members. Apparently. So, yeah. 
Now, I'm a big guy, and I was flying not long ago, and I went to the restroom on the plane. And I'm telling you something. Those are little spaces. Man. Yeah. They're little. They are tiny. And so I, what I think they're going for is that, that there are two reasons. Uh, that there are more people flying who are not capable necessarily of making it to the bathroom by themselves. More people with disabilities, uh, older people, yeah. bigger people. And I, I think that's one of the reasons. I, th- I actually think it might be, you know, especially Americans, we're not small as a group. No. And, you know, there's, and, and if you're a bigger person, it's tough to get in those bathrooms. So, uh, yeah, I think that's okay. Now, yeah. they're not doing it right, right away, right? No, no, no. No, it's a new requirement for new yeah. planes. So you probably won't see it for a while. And yeah. they're saying all the things you're saying is that they're getting larger because people need more space. And even actually people with disabilities struggle sometimes to get yeah. in some of those bathrooms. So those are the reasons why. Uh, but a lot of people are making the jokes that we were we were thinking yeah. about as to as to why uh, yeah. That is changing. Uh, one last thing. I thought wait, this was – oh, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. I, I did read this asterisk to that story. Is, is it true or not true that when you open that bathroom door, you hear uh, Al Green music? <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that's announced officially, but that, that might be something oh, okay. to do. Yeah. Um, one last okay. one for you. I thought this was interesting, too. Uh, apparently, Gen Z doesn't drink at bars as much as other generations, even my generation, millennials. And there's somebody mm-hmm. that went viral on TikTok about this. Saying the reason why is Gen Z actually prefers cocktails and wine and other fancier things uh, to a typical beer uh, because it's healthier. And because of that, they're drinking at home, pre-gaming, and then going out to the bars. I don't know if that's true, but the guy went viral. A lot of people said, yes, we agree with what you're saying. Uh, do you think that's true? The youngest generation likes fancier stuff and also understands that you can't buy fancy stuff at bars. I uh, I do believe that's true. I also love the phrase pre-gaming when it refers to drinking before you go drinking. That is hilarious to me. Yes. So, hey, yeah, we're, we all know what pre-gaming means. We all know. We just say it all the time. Uh-huh. But if you start to think about it, it's crazy. Right. It's just gaming. We're, yeah, we're, we're we were pre-gaming. No, you weren't. You were gaming. That's exactly right. You were gaming. <laughs> right. You were just you're just doing the thing yeah. at a different location yeah. than where you plan yeah, to do it later. Place. Yeah. 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 You drunk. You well, drunk. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, you say that, but when I was in college, I remember pre-gaming was kegs and eggs, uh, which was in the morning. Uh, oh. Someone. Yeah, it's not a good thing. Uh, someone would buy a keg, and this was at Notre Dame. I went to Holy Cross. You'd show up at one of the off-campus houses. They would make a bunch of eggs like you were going to a buffet. And then in the corner, they'd have a keg of beer, and they wanted whoever showed up at that party to help finish the keg before the football game started. Kegs and eggs. Okay. Not okay, a good so thing to go to. that was pre-game because there was a game. Right. There, there was, was a game. game happening. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so that part. Yeah, all I can think about is with kegs and eggs is uh, the amount of gas that creates. Oh, yeah. That's, a lot, of, that's a lot of problems. Well, and the That's thing I never understood, because I attended those things, but I'd never, I'd never helped that much with finishing off the keg, is some of the people who went to the game did not remember it. They were not in a place to have any sort of <laughs> memories forming. So I don't know why you do that yeah. part and then actually attend. I, Just uh, take a nap. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, you go to all the effort to get a ticket, right. get over to the stadium, yes. you don't remember a dang right. thing. And then you've wasted all your money. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. right, good. Uh, well, that's all I got for you today, man. Uh, what's going on in the morning hey. show? Uh, not too much. Danny was off on the show this morning, so he'll be back on Monday. I'm trying to think what we got going on next week. 
next week, uh, of course, is a big week for us uh, personally. Yes. You, me, Danny, Craig, uh, because we're getting new equipment. Yes. And the over and under on Greg makes such a mistake that he is, has to talk straight for four hours is there's a good chance that's going to happen next. <laughs> okay. All right. Next. Well, uh, good luck to all of us then. Uh, check out the morning show and potentially the four straight hour broadcast, which I will be listening to. I think yep. I told you this on Wednesday, every second of it. Here's what I'll be doing. I know for a fact that that does happen. I'll be just reading you everything that's in my wallet. <laughs> that's much must listen radio, man. I This is Hall yeah. of Fame stuff. Uh, thank you very much, Greg. Yeah, probably. Uh, talk to you guys yeah. uh, soon. See you a bit. Uh, a quick break, a lot more. 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, yesterday, I talked a little bit about the uh, latest shot at uh, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida and the things that he's done as far as uh, legislation there goes. He signed a bill into law about a year ago uh, that um, shaped the way that they teach a lot of things in the classroom in Florida. One of those things, of course, taught in any history class anywhere in the country, and certainly in Florida, is slavery. Uh, there is no good part of slavery. This is something that DeSantis himself said today. But I'm going to start with uh, Tim Scott, uh, who is running for that same uh, nomination to be the president of the country, uh, running on the Republican side of the aisle, somebody I really like. Uh, he is also a black man. Um, so for, you know, I guess a few reasons, maybe a lot of media wanted to ask him what his thoughts were. Uh, here is what Tim Scott said. You know, it's interesting. Uh, as a country founded upon freedom, the greatest deprivation of freedom was slavery. Uh, there is there is no silver lining in freedom in, in slavery. The truth is that anything you can learn, that any benefits that people suggest you had during slavery, you would have had as a free person. Uh, what slavery was was really about separating families, about mutilating humans, and even raping their wives. It was just it was devastating. So I would hope that every person in our country, and certainly running for president, would appreciate that. And listen. People have bad days. Sometimes they regret what they say, and we should uh, ask them again to clarify their positions. So it's that last part there that I thought was actually fairly powerful. Um, ask someone again to clarify their position, because it seems that that's what DeSantis needs to do, and he was doing that today. Someone was asking him a question while on the campaign trail, and he uh, made sure to say, and this became a bit of a contentious point, that obviously the person asking the question had not read uh, the totality of uh, what is being taught in Florida, uh, because there's a, a bunch of information about how horrendous and awful and terrible uh, slavery is. It's weird to be talking about this as if anyone is denying it, uh, even DeSantis, who is not. And here's how he responded to a reporter. Here's how that back and forth went. Were there beneficial aspects to slavery? That's not what the curriculum says. What, what do you think? What the curric no, there's no, it's not. And the curriculum is very clear. You have, I think it's... By the way, I'll just jump in uh, first and foremost. At this point in this back and forth, he's already said, no, there's not. That won't be carried. That won't be covered a lot of places. And people who go after, not that I'm trying to overly defend DeSantis, uh, he has stepped in uh, hot water a few times while trying to uh, run this campaign. And that's probably why he fired a bunch of his staff. Uh, but he, he's already definitively said no, uh, no benefit. Again, that won't necessarily be covered by anyone that wants to continue this conversation. Like 200 plus pages of all kinds of stuff that you can't read that. Have you read it? So what's your opinion? Have you read it? What's you your, I'm you asking have, your opinion. But you already you said no. Read it, so I'm just, just making that clear. That makes it very clear about the injustices of slavery in vivid detail. 
So anyone that actually read that and then listens to Kamala would know that she's lying. And that particular provision about the skills, that was in spite of slavery, not because of. The AP course has made that same point. Other courses have made that same point. Nobody said anything um, about that. And Dr. Allen and those people will say, look, this is what was used post-bellum when these folks were doing stuff. So that was very, very clear. And I would just say, you know, people can, can read it, but, but they did. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. And this is, again, what I, I said yesterday, is that if you actually do pay any attention to what's actually being discussed there, it's almost a praise uh, for people who were utter victims of horrible, horrible things, like uh, Tim Scott said, uh, having any ability to find anything uh, that you can use later that's not a benefit, that's not a good part of a horrible um, thing, uh, but use later to um, help you in your life. I don't know why it has to be shaped simplistically, I guess is what I would like to say, because anyone who wants to make an argument that Florida is teaching that there's benefits to slavery is ridiculously oversimplifying something to get to a position that doesn't exist within the more complicated conversation being had in classrooms. Uh, that's that's a valuable component to a lot of, I think, what is discussed so often. And this is happening a lot with Florida, actually, specifically. Uh, don't say gay. Uh, calling a bill don't say gay that doesn't once in it uh, say that anyone isn't allowed to say the word gay is just a, is a weird way to represent something and discuss something and then have people on The View saying they drive through Florida yelling gay out their window, which would be totally fine. Not at all a problem for anyone, but you behave as though somehow DeSantis would be mad about that or Florida would be or someone would be. And then you start to shape a narrative that there are hateful people on a side of the aisle opposite whatever side someone's saying that's on. So it, it is it is an odd thing to be discussing and discussing the way we're doing it right now. But I still thought Tim Scott had a powerful message, uh, even as he seemed to somewhat say uh, that maybe DeSantis had said something wrong and he needs to either rethink it or clarify it. Uh, so um, that's where we're at in that conversation. Weird. I didn't expect to have two uh, days in a row where this is a, a topic on my show, but it is. Uh, but we'll move on uh, after that. We have a bunch of other stuff to get to. I do think some things going on for the um, former president are interesting. And then Charlemagne the God had a really interesting thing that he said about Dianne Feinstein and also about um, our current president. So I have that coming up in just a bit. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thrilled to have you with us. A former uh, reporter at ESPN, uh, television host, Allison Williams, uh, had a heck of a conversation today um, while appearing in front of the Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. Uh, she had previously sued ESPN because she got fired because she didn't want to get the COVID vaccine. Um, I have said several times, and it just bears saying right at the start of this, that it was absolutely wrong for uh, companies to fire people for not wanting to get a vaccine, for our government to do certain things in that same world. All of that was was absolutely 100 percent wrong. Uh, and if you don't think that's true, I don't know how you've come to that conclusion, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, uh, because of especially the information that came out saying that whether you had the vaccine or didn't, you still got and you still transmit COVID to other people. So the, the biggest benefit that was the reason that some said they could validate or justify uh, trying to force people to get something they didn't want to get medically uh, was not true. And that matters and should matter today when we look back on this. But this is still controversial, uh, I guess, to some people. And I thought it was really powerful. So I just want to play a lot of this. I have like almost three minutes of what uh, Allison said, including even the start when she starts to say that the way it all happened. 
that she gets an email from ESPN. And the email says that people are going to have the right to make a decision for themselves as far as their, their health goes. And then there's a follow-up email that says, well, if you wind up showing up to remote locations and in the world of sports broadcasting, remote locations meant games. It meant the stuff that she's doing, showing up and being on the sidelines for any sort of sporting event. Then you had to get the vaccine. And then eventually it was just everybody has got to get it or else you lose a gig. And uh, as she's explaining all that, she starts to talk about her own personal uh, journey and how she tried to play within the rules. Uh, the system provided a couple different outs. They said if you had a medical reason to have an out or if you had a religious reason to not get the vaccine, you and this was ESPN in a lot of places said this too, uh, then you would be exempt from being required. She thought she had both. Uh, not only did she feel that her religious um, uh, position uh, made her incapable of getting it, but she was trying to get pregnant, eventually did get pregnant. And so that's kind of where we start this. Is she's talking about going through the process of IVF treatments and, and other things and, and family planning with her husband, and then also getting closer and closer to losing her job. Also during this time, my husband and I were working with fertility specialists in the hopes of having a second child. An already stressful and emotional period exacerbated, exacerbated by the impending uncertainty of my job status. I contacted my doctor in July and shared with him my concerns regarding the vaccine and my employer's demand I receive it to continue working. Given my good health and our current calendar for conception, he supported my decision to forego the vaccine. He agreed to provide the necessary documentation to apply for a medical accommodation. I notified my reporting manager I would be doing so, and we get, began the process through human resources and legal counsel for ESPN. Unfortunately, in my follow-up correspondence, correspondence with my doctor's physician assistant, assistant, I was notified due to the large number of medical exemption requests received, they were having a clinic-wide meeting to discuss how best to handle them. Whoa. After said meeting, I was informed that as a clinic, they would not be providing any medical exemptions for any for any patients. None whatsoever. Okay, so I'm going to stop it there, but I'm going to keep letting this audio play. That is insane, uh, just to think about that again. And again, I know people immediately want to tune out or they want to yell, I told you so, at the radio. And it's fine. Those reactions, well, whatever. I guess you got to do what you got to do. Uh, but just uh, to contextualize what she said there, her doctor agreed with her when they didn't understand the doctor this would be, the amount of people that would feel a certain way about being forced to get something they didn't want to get. And when it became too many people, too difficult to manage the, the, um, the size of response, they said, we're just not going to do any of this. We're not going to evaluate cases individually. We're not going to be involved in giving a medical exemption to anyone. Essentially saying, and whether it's a staffing reason or whatever the reason is, the, the medical people that she was going to made that decision is we're not going to act like doctors. We're not going to treat you as an individual. We're going to treat the entirety of our society as one group of people with one version of, of truth. And for her uniquely, uh, this was very bad. And, and the first conversation, and I remember saying this a lot during COVID, uh, go talk to your own doctor. Uh, find someone you trust, ask them real questions, have a legitimate conversation, and get to an end result that you, you believe or you trust. Uh, that was a good plan for many people. She went that road and still was told no, even just by the health organization, which, again, that feels anti what medicine is supposed to be. If you treated everybody the same way, a lot more people would wind up not getting better uh, because you didn't care about any of the other aspects of, of just anything in the world of medicine. Let's continue. Instead, I was referred to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the CDC website 
Despite my doctor's acknowledgement that this medical intervention was unnecessary for me as an individual, a blanket approach was taken for all patients disregarding our specific needs and risks. I subsequently notified ESPN that I would be modifying from a medical to a religious accommodation request. I had a valid and sincere opposition to this injection in regards to my scheduled IVF transfer. I also have valid and sincere religious objections to the COVID-19 vaccine. The extent and basis of my beliefs were questioned and they were discussed at length with human resources representatives from ESPN. The sincerity of my religious beliefs was acknowledged, but it was determined I could not continue to be employed without creating an undue burden upon the company. I was given one week to comply and get the injection or be separated from the company. All right. So I want to stop it again because this is also very interesting. And I do wonder if the religious objection was a larger, like a a bigger reach uh, for this individual. She says it's not. She says the HR um, um, people decided that she was telling the truth and it all made sense. But you shouldn't have to go this road. You shouldn't have to say, all right, I had one objection that my doctor agreed with and said everything was okay with. Now you're telling me that's not okay, so I'm going to go to my second objection. And again, I'm not trying to doubt her. I just I wonder if there were other people uh, maybe in a similar boat that tried to go other routes because they just they were determined to follow their doctor's orders. And especially someone who's trying to get pregnant and someone who feels like that might somehow interfere with it and their doctor agrees with them. Like th- this is insane. And, and the real stories, I think, do matter to help shape that version of why many, many people said they didn't want something. I think when we talk about this now, if we even talk about this now, and not a lot of people want to or have the patience to, uh, it's usually just assumed uh, by the side who all got the shot that the other side were just being jerks. They just didn't want it. They wanted to be the the person who said no for no reason whatsoever. And uh, this former ESPN reporter is providing tons of valid reasons to say no to something. I'm, I'm not laughing because I think it's funny, by the way. I know I get comments sometimes. Why does he laugh all the time? I'm laughing because of how ridiculous this is. A lot of things make me laugh. Uh, ridiculous is one of the things, and a lot of our world is very ridiculous. But let's play the end of what she said. I did not receive the vaccine as my beliefs did not change in that week, and therefore was terminated as an employee with ESPN in October of 2021. And just like that, newly pregnant, I was stripped of my job, my health insurance, and having my personal and medical decisions the topic of national news. It's hard to explain what it's like to have so much taken for you, from you for doing what you know in your heart and your mind to be the right thing for you and your family. The financial toll it took on me and my family and so many like ours was significant and it is still enduring. The lost wages and sacrifices made by families like mine who stood up to the overreaching unjustified mandates to preserve their autonomy and health can never be fully recovered. But the impact wasn't just on our livelihoods, it was on our lives. We were bullied, vilified, slandered, and ostracized. They still are, by the way. Uh, That's still a name that if you put up something on social media, you're going to get people that react by saying that she's a crazy person or a terrible person or or whatever. Uh, But I just want to contextualize that one more time, and then maybe we'll take a break and get to some of the other audio I mentioned uh, before the news. Uh, Diane Feinstein, uh, Charlemagne the God, in just a bit. But they fired a pregnant lady, uh, a a pregnant woman. And I, I would think that there's... There's people in our society you want to do everything you can to protect. I mean, you want to protect everybody. uh, But when we get on a boat, there's an order to getting on a boat. It's usually women and children first. Woman with child, I feel like it's very early uh, access to getting on the boat that gets you to the freedom. And then eventually the dudes are allowed on that boat last in some sort of order. 
I guess. Uh, but this is the exact opposite of that way of thinking. And someone who said that they had a doctor agree with them, uh, they had a religious reason to object to it, they had every reason in the book to say no, lost their job and wound up, because it's a, a high-profile public position, um, wound up getting attacked for it and family attacked for it. Uh, Tucker Carlson just had a conversation with Ice Cube, and he said the same things about it being reported that he shot down $19 million to appear in a movie because he didn't want to get a, uh, a vaccine. And then he became another person ostracized, uh, called an evil, terrible person or an idiot or whatever else they, they said about him. Uh, and it's, it's sort of crazy to look back on all this and think about how definitively uh, people behaved, how they treated other people uh, based on that definitive information that is now utterly wrong. Because there's, again, I'll only say this, and I don't care if you got the vaccine or didn't. I'm not trying to tell you uh, that if you made a decision for just personal reasons that your decision was wrong because that's the whole point. You're allowed to make a decision on your own. It should have been just your decision, whatever you wanted to do, and we shouldn't really be discussing uh, what people decided to do there. Uh, but again, what I find so fascinating about it is now the only um, ver uh, the only valid validating reason, excuse me, for why people said you had to do this uh, was to protect others, uh, because that was what the vaccine was supposed to do, and it didn't do it. And they've admitted that again and again and again. They, I mean, the scientific community, studies that have come out now, all of it has demonstrated that that was a lie. People should be madder about that uh, than we are. Even people who got the vaccine uh, should be mad about the fact that this was inaccurately described, and then people turned on other people uh, because of that belief in um, information that wound up being wrong. Quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, I think a piece of audio that's going viral is interesting for a reason that might be a little bit different than what most people are, are saying. Uh, so I want to play the audio first. Uh, so this is a young man and a young woman. Uh, the young woman is being dropped off at her house at the front door. There's a ring or some kind of video doorbell uh, that's capturing all this. And then there's a guy walking a little bit behind her. Uh, the young woman will speak into the camera, and I'll play the audio in a second, and obviously say that she's, uh, well, sorry and, I guess, pretty drunk. Uh, and then the guy says something into the, the camera. And this is the thing that people are freaking out about and saying that this guy is great and how special he is. He's getting a lot of praise. I think it's a good thing, of course, that this guy did what he did. I think it's a weird thing that we're praising it because I don't know why so many people would assume someone would do something else. Like, I feel like this was a much more common thing or is a much more common thing uh, than people are behaving like it is. But here, let me play the audio first of a guy that drove a drunk girl to her house, and then they both speak into the camera to the young woman's mom. You got keys now. Hey, mommy. I'm so sorry. Hi, my name is Ronnie. I am sober. I drove her home. My girlfriend's in the car. He says, my girlfriend's in the car. I'm Ronnie. I'm sober. I drove your daughter home. Have a good night. And he walks away from the camera. And again, people are all over the Internet being like, oh, my God, this guy is so special. He stayed sober on a night out. Uh, he had his own uh, person that he was probably paying attention to if his girlfriend was uh, drinking that evening. And then this friend, who I don't know if it's his friend or her friend, uh, winds up needing a ride home. The guy does it, and he makes sure to explain everything into the ring doorbell before turning around and leaving. 
Uh, so not, you know, staying or trying to get in the house with the young woman. Uh, again, that's good. That, that's definitively a good thing. And I'm glad that the guy acted the way he did. But why is this being treated like it's rare? I, that's the part that shocks me. Why do we sometimes behave? I just have a question and then I'll move on. In society, like people are terrible or men are terrible or conservatives are terrible, whoever the terrible group is, that there's a bunch of terrible groups out there um, because that's dividing us in ways that are that are bad, uh, that are definitively very, very bad. And also causing a lot of people to be surprised uh, that this is the story of, of someone in college uh, treating someone else, I assume in college, uh, or maybe just a little bit after that. They look like they're 20-somethings, uh, treating someone with humanity. A lot of people do that. A lot of people and a lot of men do this and would do this uh, again and again. Uh, and yet we're, we're acting a little bit. That's it, the sensitive way that this story hit me, I guess, if you want to call it that. We're acting a little bit like this is unheard of. And it's, I think, far from it, uh, just judging from my own uh, college experience or the college experience of many of my friends. All right, moving on. Some other things out there. Uh, I find this to be amusing to throw out here uh, when I usually talk about some more palate cleanser stuff, uh, not the serious stuff we'll get to just after the news. Um, I saw someone recap something that happened this week in the world of politics, I guess, uh, where three different whistleblowers went under oath in front of Congress and said that UFOs and aliens are real. Uh, there were three people, uh, former Navy pilots, uh, other people who worked within the Air Force and then wound up working in intelligence communities. It's sort of nuts that this story isn't uh, more places, all right? Because I know we still haven't seen an alien. I know you and I haven't gotten the press conference that I've been begging for, but multiple people uh, went under oath and said that, oh, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of things. Uh, things we don't talk about, things we don't know. And there's even debate now as to whether or not I think it would be a GOP-led thing. Uh, but they create a, a, um, a, you know, a committee to look into whether or not UFOs and aliens are real. How is that bipartisan? How is that something that anyone wouldn't be like, yeah, I want to know that. We, we should get more information. We should do as much digging as we can here. And we should, we should know the truth. Uh, it was simpler times whenever they existed where this would easily be a unifying story for a lot of us in the country and in the world to be like, man, are aliens real? We're getting closer and closer to people telling us yes and maybe some people believing them. I don't know. I, I just thought it was funny that there's a viral sort of thing out there and people even joking about it uh, that's recapping a real thing that happened this week. Uh, three people went in front of Congress under oath and said UFOs, aliens, all that stuff. Uh, real. One one of the individuals even said that we got biological things, meaning like bodies uh, from some of these crafts, and those bodies were not human. Those those are actual words spoken, and it feels like they didn't happen. At least from what I'm seeing, most places uh, on the internet or most places on on regular news channels, this should be wall to wall, man. Uh, you know what would be most disappointing? Actually, I'll say one last thing, then I'll move on. Anybody who wrote any sort of sci-fi book or movie. Uh, where they thought that the moment that we all maybe thought that aliens were real, it would be the biggest story in the world. Because uh, right now, our horror alien movie is very boring because no one cares that aliens might be real. The, the, the invasion of them taking over, a real world, not movie, not Hollywood version, uh, everyone's ignoring this, uh, which is very disappointing. 
just for me because I'm, I'm getting more and more to be alien guy, I guess. Although I'm still not 100% sure just because it's so hard to believe I want to meet an alien. That's my skepticism. My level in needing my own receipts is pretty crazy. All right, one last thing, and then we'll take a break and do some news. Amazon sent a woman 1,000 headlamps and 800 glue guns. Uh, I think there's even some audio about this. Her name is Cindy Smith. She does not know why. She's getting a crap ton of stuff. Uh, there are companies that send you free stuff and then fake the reviews of that stuff uh, so that they have more reviews, have more confirmed ordering of products to sell more. And maybe she's just uniquely getting um, unlucky, if that's even what the word should be, that she's getting all of these things all to her house. Because uh, I, I feel like if you actually dove into it, you can't send a thousand things to the same address and claim a thousand different people reviewed it. Uh, but here we go. It's a lot of packages. I didn't order them. A lot of people told me I was weird. You know, I would drive around with headlamps and glue guns in the car. <laughs> I gave them to everybody I met. All my neighbors got glue guns or headlamps. I, mean, I gave them to dog shelters, to cool. um, veterinary clinics. I went to Burger King one day. I'm like, needs, I have a gift for you. Who needs a headlamp? Who needs a glue gun? I have so many. Yes, a lot of people would think that that's weird. A lot of people would not know why it was happening. Uh, but again, uh, I think the likely cause of this, uh, I don't think there's actually an admission here at all, uh, but companies just round, randomly pick an address, send free stuff there, and then create fake reviews to sell more product. Like I said a minute ago, and this woman just wound up with 1,800 things and just boxes and boxes. She put them in her car. I, that was a weird decision. You needed to find a storage space or something or just you know throw them all out, which would actually make people ask you a lot of questions. In the neighborhood, if you have 800 glue guns in the trash one day, uh, but I don't know. At least she gave some of them away to people. Uh, that was a nice move. All right, we're going to take a break. Will's going to do some news. Uh, after the news, I will play that audio of Tommy Lahren uh, saying nice things about Michelle Obama within the context of uh, something else she's reacting to on Fox. And then also Charlemagne the God, a very popular um, broadcaster, etc., out in um, uh, New York uh, that had some choice words for Dianne Feinstein and others. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, I love that I'm getting uh, text messages about UFOs now, uh, a world I didn't think I'd ever be in uh, in my broadcast career. Uh, but you can send me a text, 309-340-4464, 309-340-4464. Uh, one person sent me a question saying, is there any chance the guy who testified and said that there were biologics uh, found in one of the UFOs uh, or maybe multiple UFOs were just animals. They, they, he described them as non-human. Uh, so it didn't, it didn't rule out that it's a non-human thing that we understand and not something we don't. But here's another piece of audio. So I, I don't have an answer to that. It's a good question. I wish somebody had asked that. Uh, or maybe somebody did. And you can let me know if I missed that. Uh, but Nancy May said sort of the the viral thing. But this is something I had missed um, earlier that I want to play real quickly. This is a different individual of the three um, people that testified uh, under oath that UFOs are a real thing. Uh, this guy is with the Navy, and he said that he saw little Tic Tac uh, versions of UFOs. That's why they're called Tic Tacs in the back and forth uh, that um, defied the laws of physics, which is amazing for different reasons. Uh, here's that. Um a few questions for Mr. Favor. As an expert naval aviator, have you ever seen an object that looked and moved like the Tic Tac UAP? No. Did the Tic Tac UAP move in such a way that defied the laws of physics? Oh, man. The way we understand them, yes. 
That's amazing. So he saw stuff, and it didn't move the way it's supposed to move, and that was confusing. Uh, they call it a Tic Tac because, again, that's what it resembled. And a UAP is an unidentified uh, anomalous phenomena, uh, so not exactly a UFO, uh, but still a term for something that's flying randomly in the sky and not behaving the way it should be behaving. Uh, that's It's awesome. This stuff is awesome. We're not talking about it enough. Uh, that's the whole point. But keep texting me, 309 309- Three four zero four four six. I'm not saying I know for sure that aliens are real people. Anyone getting very upset with what I'm saying on the radio right now? I'm just relaying the information uh, of what happened in the last week and getting very uh, excited and also terrified because uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know where we go. Eventually, uh, we'd learn more, and maybe it's boring. Maybe it's not. All right. Other stuff that I've said I was going to talk about for a while now. Charlemagne the God had a unique few different takes. I cut them all together. In the world of uh, Mitch McConnell and his freeze moment, uh, by the way, the GOP leader uh, in the Senate will continue as the minority leader, will continue in his his gig uh, in uh, the world of our political system. Uh, there's no mention of him doing anything to contemplate stepping away. He froze for like 20 seconds. I played the audio yesterday. He's speaking. He stops talking. He doesn't explain why he's walking away from the podium. Eventually, people help him. Uh, and whisper in his ear stuff that got picked up on the microphone. Uh, do you want to say anything else to the press? And then he comes back later, speaks to the press, and uh, says he's fine, and everyone should just move on and ignore this. Uh, Mitch McConnell is 81 years old and recently had a concussion after he fell down. Uh, this feels like something we shouldn't ignore. I know he's a Republican. I know I, I uh, lean the way I do on this show, but I have the same feeling about Feinstein. I have the same feeling about um, our president, whenever they make giant faux pas, and Diane made one of the worst ones, I think, when she didn't seem to know what she's voting on. And here are some of the takes from Charlemagne the God. Uh, hold on, let me actually make sure to hit the right button so you can hear this audio. Here we go. And folks love to say people are being ageist. They love to scream ageism when the reality is there's some things you are absolutely too old to do. And 90 years old is way too old to have to deal with the stress that comes with being a sitting senator of the United States of America. Between Mitch McConnell, Diane Feinstein, President Biden about to say, hold my beer. Y'all about to see him do something. Y'all about to see him do something probably. amazing. Probably okay? not wrong. Because he's not going to let them elders upstage him because he's been, he been the king of cognitive decline. <laughs> and Ted, isn't that messed up? You can't, you can't tell somebody to say hi, right? You can't no, you tell right. somebody what to say. It, right. Hello. Yes, hello. Right. I don't know. <laughs> and, 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 and why can't they move our elders to like an advisory role or a consultant? What they say, young people for war, wise people for counsel. Right. Like she's just a glorified puppet if she's just up there. Saying it's like, hey, I say, just say I. You can't. That, that's kind of. I, I would think that vote should be stricken from the record. Yes, I think that that vote should be stricken from the record too. Those were three of the different points they were interviewing a guest, talking uh, all different kinds of stuff in the world of politics. Uh, Charlemagne the God is an unapologetic, I think, Democrat in a lot of the things he he says and and the way in which he leans uh, beyond some of this criticism. He is willing to criticize those, including the current president, um, who's made several different faux pas. And I don't agree with him that there should just be an age limit. Uh, he's saying that 90 is too old. Uh, there are people that are more than capable at ages that you would think they wouldn't be capable of doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, but that's why you evaluate the individual. Maybe you do it yearly, and maybe you do it with some sort of test uh, that demonstrates who is and isn't capable of continuing at these jobs. And I think all three of those individuals mentioned would, would struggle through some of those cognitive ability tests. All right, I want to move on to this. Uh, this is Tommy Laren. Uh, she is a... a talking head, a pundit, whatever you want to call her, a conservative, certainly, uh, on that side of the aisle. 
Uh, she popped up on Fox and she said some things about another weird conversation that goes on in our society. Uh, she's relatively young. Uh, she's very attractive. I don't know why that's relevant necessarily, except for the fact that she's talking about fitness and other things. Uh, so maybe people care. I saw some people reacting. Uh, but here's what she said about how a conversation has changed in a weird way in the last couple of years in our society. And it's actually something that Michelle Obama, uh, when um, Barack Obama was in office, sort of spearheaded conversations on. And those were praised. Those were thought of as great then. Now, apparently, there's problems with them. Uh, according to today's society. Here we go. We've got two things going on in pop culture. We've got the glorification of extreme thinness and then the glorification of obesity. And we don't have a middle ground where it's like you don't have to be stick thin, but you probably shouldn't be overweight to the point where it impacts your health. We don't have that happy medium represented. That's mm. a big part of the problem. But talking about this whole white supremacy angle, I can't help but think about Michelle Obama, who pioneered in the when her time in the White House, health and fitness. That was her directive. That is what she put forth. And that was her mission. So to now call health and fitness a tool of white supremacy, mm -hmm. I think we're forgetting that Michelle Obama tried to usher that in. And to her credit, that was a great platform to have. So enough of this white supremacy, enough of this. It has to be political. Let's just teach yes. young people and all people that sure. there is a happy medium. Let's represent that and explain why that's important instead of the two extremes on either side. Look, I'll be honest, even though uh, physical fitness is not necessarily uh, something I have a lot of passion in talking about, because I feel like I'd be uh, throwing at a glass house. I don't go to the gym anywhere near enough. Uh, I do think that this is true of so many things, that there's a need to make something political. There was that uh, Time Magazine story, I think, December of last year, uh, that said literally the white supremacist origins of exercise in the U.S. That was the title of it. Uh, that's where the deep dive went. And it has been a consistent conversation now, I guess, more in the world of young people in social media uh, trying to uh, – it's weird. Uh, this is the way I should say this, and then I'll take a break. It's almost as if if you wake up in the morning and you're anybody, I guess if you're a certain age, you're doing this in social media. If you're not all over social media, uh, maybe you're doing this some other way in your life. Uh, but a lot of people wake up, the people who want to have the arguments, uh, wake up and try to find a way – to shape whatever they don't like about the world or maybe themselves or whatever it might be, uh, to be an accusation of other people harming them, uh, turning yourself into a, a victim uh, somehow in order to have people uh, hear you and understand your complaint and then agree with you no matter what the position is on whatever the issue might be. And there are issues where people are victims. There are issues where people are not victims, and there are issues that don't seem to need political slant, and yet we have so much of it. Uh, and I've said this this week a couple times. I don't mean to preach, get up on you know my high horse or whatever, uh, but I think that both the Jason Aldean song and then actually uh, the Barbie movie have caused some very strong political uh, opinion stuff, and I don't think either of those things needs politics in them. I don't think uh, the stuff that we talk about in society – LGBTQ, whatever it might be, uh, needs a lot of political uh, opinion. Societal opinion makes sense. Uh, people having, um, you know, a certain reaction, especially if you're talking about their children, I get those things. But the politicians to be diving all over these issues and talking about them a lot is just them trying to get your vote. It's just like a company advertising and saying that they care about a cause that has nothing to do with their product. It's just trying to sell you something. And I think a lot of people know that. 
Uh, but anyway, I, I totally agree with Tommy Laren here that if if physical fitness, mental health, whatever it is, uh, somehow becomes ideologically one side of pol- political aisles and other side, we're, we're broken. Thing, things are going wrong. Uh, things need to get back to normal, regular. Be- and I know a lot of people, maybe a lot of people listening to the show, behave like regular humans. I know that the people I'm complaining about are the major, the minority of us, uh, not the majority of people in the world. And a lot of them are just very loud on social media. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a, a bigger problem than anything else. But I don't know. Now, when you look at politics, as often as I do for the job I have, you see so many things that just don't make sense as far as political one side or another side uh, stuff. And yet that's half of what people seem to be running on uh, in the world we live in today. So it says something about our society. There's a reflection aspect there uh, that maybe people need to figure out a little bit more. Maybe the people uh, who are voting a certain way because of something that makes no sense in the world of politics, I need to kind of focus on why uh, there. I think that's what Tommy Lahren is getting at. All right, quick break. A lot of... um, easier things to talk about coming up next 1470 100.3 wmbd it's the craig collins show 1470 100.3 wmbd it's the craig collins show uh the vfw in peoria heights is one of my favorite places uh, to go in town and my wife's favorite places they have food on tuesday friday and saturday uh, they get great food uh, ray and edith make it and actually they're holding a, a baby shower uh, for ray and edith uh this weekend i think it's tomorrow uh, you can uh, show up, hang out, have fun at a, at a baby shower with a bunch of uh, people who work there and create that kind of family environment. Uh, you are encouraged to maybe bring a, a gift of some kind. You don't have to. Uh, there will be snacks, cake, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but even just like a, a tiny little gift card uh, for two people to do a great job in the world of food it would be awesome if a bunch of people, a bunch of uh, strangers who care uh, do that. But that's just one of the things the VFW does. Uh, 1505 East Lake Avenue. Uh, is the address in Peoria Heights, 1505 East Lake. Uh, 309-682-9875 is the phone number. 309-682-9875. Yes, my wife and I are going to the baby shower. I think they also have karaoke tonight. Uh, And I loved what they put up on social media. Stop in and be the star that you are. Uh, Rock whatever song you want. Uh, Karaoke night at the VFW in Peoria Heights. Um, I I love something uh, that's going on uh, because it is ridiculous. And I was just... Uh, saying a little bit ago, I kind of enjoy uh, the ridiculous. It makes me laugh. Uh, There are two things happening now that are connected somehow to the Barbie movie. Uh, Women are bringing their boyfriends, and if their boyfriends don't love the movie, uh, some people are saying that that boyfriend isn't feminist enough or isn't uh, something enough. Uh, Not liking the Barbie movie is now a test uh, that a girl might uh, place on a guy in the world of um, a date night, which I'm wildly entertained by for a myriad of reasons. The other one was this one. A woman said that she, quote, canceled her boyfriend. I don't know if that means broke up, uh, but definitely canceled just because he wouldn't wear pink to the Barbie movie. He might have loved it, but it was a deleted um, thing on Reddit that I love a lot. Uh, I call it Am I the Jerk when I talk about it on the radio. It's a different word. Am I the A word is what it is. Uh, But the woman went on. She asked the question, should I have been this mad at my boyfriend for him refusing to wear pink but willingly going uh, to the Barbie movie with me? Uh, And it was a mixed reaction, actually. There were a lot of people that said pink was fun. What's his problem with it? I don't know the answer. Uh, But so I guess even though he's canceled, uh, she may have even gone on Reddit and deleted uh, the post. I I don't know why I find that so funny. Uh, Brett Brooks has actually showed up a little bit early uh, in studio. Uh, Do you want to react to that story? Hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Woman cancels boyfriend not wearing pink to Barbie movie. I think that's very toxic of her. Sure. On her end. Because one, 
that might require him to go shopping? Because do you guys usually wear pink? The only thing pink I can imagine a guy wearing is a polo T-shirt. See, there was a time period in my life where I thought I was fashionable. It's not now anymore. And I had like two <laughs> or three pink things. I did. I had like a pink shirt. Um, and I, I was very proud when I threw the pink. Fa- I think I wore a pink shirt with a suit to an event for a radio station I worked at. Okay. And everybody gave me compliments and it, it, it fueled me. Uh, but right now, this version of me, no. I have no pink stuff that I would I would be able to yeah, fit in. Yeah, I mean, I guess if she wanted to take pictures, maybe that's sure. the, probably the only reason. But maybe. I would never cancel. And then canceling your boyfriend, I think that is a breakup. Okay. Okay, because yeah. I didn't know what that means. Like, did she go on his social media page and say, everybody stop? Like, did she cancel him the way that celebrities get canceled? Uh, that's all she said. She said she canceled her boyfriend. Uh, she's 22. He's 27, uh, by the way. And that's oh, where the, yeah. that makes sense. Do you think that the Barbie movie is a good test for um, a man and a woman? That's the other story I was talking about. I saw that a couple <laughs> places. This is a test and a date at the same time. I think, it, Maybe. I think it could be interesting. Have you if seen you it? See, no, I haven't okay. seen it yet. No, right. I plan on trying to see it this weekend. Gotcha. But I heard it was very good when it comes to like women empowerment. Yes. So I think that if a guy wants to kind of swallow his pride and step into the sure. role of a woman. I get it. I think, I think yes. Yeah, I, I think the thing anybody has a problem with, and I, I've said that I don't care, uh, that this is a weird complaint going on. Uh, ben Shapiro is the name of a guy who reviewed it and oh. then said he got like death threats and stuff after he reviewed it. He hated the movie. Uh, it's not surprising to me. That people put ideology in movies, in in everything. We I think we put it in everything. Yeah. So that part I don't I don't care. I don't want it shut down. I'm not going to pick it outside the Barbie. <laughs> uh, but I did I did hear that like it makes men look pretty bad. Like we we're idiots, and then we're the Aww. bad guy, and then we're we're kind of done. And so I'm not sure That's if I not sat. Fair. Well, it doesn't. I, what I'm saying is, if I sat through that movie. I don't think I could help being like, man, I look real stupid or my gender looks dumb. I don't know how you turn that part of the brain off uh, completely and then say, like, I still liked parts of this. But I know a lot of people did. I know there's a lot of guys out there who said they were entertained. Well, then we have to reverse it. Is she going to go see Oppenheimer too <laughs> Maybe, yeah, right. and be entertained by the... Who knows? Yeah, you're right. No, it's like when my wife goes to Marvel movies and she's like, really, another one of these? And then I'm like, come on, we're doing one more. But no, I mean, I would also go see it. I think my wife wants to go see it. I'll probably go. I don't know if I'll like it. I definitely know I won't have an impassioned rant about it on Monday if I see it this weekend. Well, let me know because I'm curious. I'm going to go see okay. it. And we, we both can go see it. And yeah, we'll we, talk can, about it next we can both review it next Friday. Uh, and again, if it makes men look real stupid and dumb, it's, well, it's a thing. It's just out there in the world. It's I fine. Think, I think everything balances out in entertainment because if we had the Barbie hype going on right now, then, mm-hmm. of course, another Marvel movie is going to come out and they're going to want us to sure. go with them. So. Yeah, no, and well, I, I, I will say one thing, and I don't know if this is uh, dabbling a little bit too much in the, the serious, because I don't think you need to put the serious hat on when you go to the Barbie movie. I think you can put the silly hat on. Um, but I wonder if a movie exactly the opposite was created uh, that shaped women as negatively as men might be shaped in Barbie if we would have a more serious conversation in society. You mean like every other movie yeah, in Hollywood? But, well, do they, do they all shape uh, women as, as um, idiots and the bad guy? Not idiots necessarily. I think they just probably over-sexualize women sure. or make them like airheads yes. or needing the men. I understand other criticisms of how uh, things might be shaped or have been shaped for a long time in the world of media. Um, yeah. But this unique one, if I went and saw that like, you know, the Ken people, because uh, I guess the premise, this is what I've read. I haven't seen it, okay. is that they go to the real world at some point, the okay. main Barbie yes. and Ken person, and they see the real world. And I guess the real world has some problems in it, as, of course, we all know. And it inspires the Ken character to go back to the Barbie world and start implementing men make decisions, uh, versions of society. Oh. And then everything uh, turns to crap. Oh. And then it's not until the women take over again that they get back to Barbie utopia. 
And so that's the thing that people are objecting to if that's really what's in the movie. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I, I wonder if an exact flip of that would make more people mad. And I'm assuming it would. And so if girls decide to run the world, well, no, I mean, like, kind like, of like, let's say someone yeah. made a movie and I don't know what hmm. the, how you'd, you'd create the premise where like the guys are running a utopia and then a woman goes to the real world and finds out that women are in charge, not men, and then ruins utopia for a while. And then utopia is restored when the men take back over. I can see a lot of, say, online news outlets having yeah. strong takes about how this is exactly the problem with society. Yeah, I can I see a lot of op-eds. So it's always that whataboutism that sometimes, I don't know if it, but again, I, I don't think I need to put the serious hat on to watch the Barbie movie. And I imagine you agree with that. I would agree. Go in, have fun, walk out, don't care. It is life. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Brett Brooks, reporter, 25 News, uh, hanging out as you do every Friday. Thank you for being here. Of course. Uh, thrilled to have you. Make sure I'm, you have your water. It's really hot outside. Yes, it is. It's Excessive very hot. Excessive heat. Yes. Um, I, I was talking to Greg Batten, who hosts our morning show earlier today, and he made a joke about how he's becoming a roofer today. And I think that would be a terrible oh decision. Yeah, or no. Yes. Definitely not. I don't want to be move. any close to the sun that I need right. to be. Yeah, I don't want to go into farming this afternoon. I feel like that would be a mistake. Although everybody out there who's doing that, thank you for doing it. And please stay safe as you're doing that stuff. Uh, I have a couple of random things I just want to throw at you and okay. see what you think. Uh, first, uh, Oppenheimer, also a very popular movie, much like uh, Barbie uh, we were talking about before. Apparently, there's a virtual reality experience uh, that somebody was talking about on TikTok. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this yet, where you can feel what it would be like to be in an atomic bomb explosion, which sounds horrible. <laughs> I like, and that's crazy. <laughs> I, just, I just saw your face go like shock and then sort of amused. Like, what are we doing? So you put the VR thing on. And then you're standing on a beach, and then all of a sudden you see stuff in the background, and then you feel the the force of what it would feel like as much as they can in whatever the VR thing is. And then eventually you get out, and you're fine. Um, they're asking That's why so we, scary. they're asking why we have this, uh, but I guess it's it's gaining popularity mostly because of of the movie and all the things discussed in the movie. Um, the short version is it would be terrible to be involved in that sort of thing. Yes. Well, I remember when I was in school, I learned about the different layers. There's four layers of where you want to be when a atomic bomb goes off. Wow. And the first one, obviously, you're going to die on impact. Because yes. technically, the bomb goes off before it hits the ground. Oh, gotcha. Technically. Okay. And then, I'm impressed you know a lot of stuff about this, by the way. We didn't prep this. <laughs> Brett Brooks is just going into stuff. Go ahead. So when you are, if you're closest to where the bomb goes off, it's over with. You're not going to survive yeah. to see it go. And then the second wave... You're going to be burned to death, maybe not, like the Pompeii, people in Pompeii. Yeah. And then the third layer, you're going to get hit with um, the radiation. Okay. And the fourth one, you're going to have, you might live, but you're going to have radiation longer. Yeah, and like there's Agent like the Orange. fallout stuff and everything. Okay, mm -hmm. like Agent Orange too. Okay, uh, yeah, that's that's something. That's a lot of things. <laughs> I don't know why I just happen to remember that. No, that's One of those impressive. childhood things I just yeah. happen to know. Right, and so would you have any interest in being in this VR headset? No. I, yeah, me neither. I, no, I would not. I, I mean... I think so, just because I'm genuinely interested, but no. Yeah, no, not enough to seek it Will out. Will you take it off? Have you done VR before? Uh, I, not to the extent they're talking. I've put on like a headset, but they're talking yeah. like a whole thing. No, it. It, it actually feels real. So when you take it off, you're like, oh, like oh. you're back in the real world. <laughs> I'm not doing any of no, this no, stuff. No, 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 no. I saw I one never. I saw one at a mall in Indianapolis over the weekend that you actually like, get in. Like it's a little thing and it closes. And so you like sit in it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's some sort of like racing or some other uh, VR. But but it's more than just you're standing with the glasses on. They give you a, a more, you know, a more it's detailed more interactive. Yeah. 
that stuff intimidates me a lot. Yeah. Because I don't know what they're going to make me do or make me think I did. And obviously, um, nuclear bomb explosion apparently is on the list. No, I, I feel like you actually have an actual reaction to that. So your body is actually reacting in a stressful yeah, mode. Right. You know, Gone in 60 has a VR that you could try. Oh, and really? It's like an alien thing, and you can just pick up little diamond pieces, and they're landing. The aliens are landing. you got to, like, swoosh them okay. away. <laughs> So it's like a good practice run. All right. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I've been talking about it a little bit on my show because you just led me this direction. And I, I can't believe I'm going this direction because like three or four years ago, you come up to me and you go, Craig, are you going to talk about aliens on your radio show with any level of thinking they could be real? Like, no, come on. But there's been all these like whistleblowers and people out there claiming that aliens are real. Yeah. I, I feel more and more like it, it could be a thing. And I've been talking about it on my show Covering my bases. I don't want to be the only guy that said they're definitely not real. And then 10 years from now, there's a press conference and an alien's there. I want to go the other way with this. But have you paid attention to any of this? Yes. Do you, do you have any feelings on I it? love astronomy, period. That's kind of how I started. my childhood experience was lear- learning oh, about nice. the stars and I had a telescope, all the other nerdy things. So I think it is a little bit... Um, I think it's a little bit selfish of us to think that we're the only ones. So you definitely think they're out there. I think there's, there's life outside okay. of Earth, yes. Do you think they've um, gotten here and then the government has hidden them? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, you do. You do. Did I make because you feel bad saying I, that? Okay. No, a little bit because people are like, conspiracy cone hat. I know. But I think that I heard something dating back to 1930. The person who testified on Congress mm-hmm. said that they had information dating back to the 30s, which yep. will be around Roswell. Yeah. And I think that is the suspicious, you know, how those people are trying to. Uh, sure. Invade Area 51. Yeah, let's both go there, Brooke, Brett yeah. Brooks. Let's do it. And they said, no, you can't come over here. Like, why? <laughs> why yeah, why, why, can't, why we go? can't we? Right. Well, and the one guy who testified, because like three whistleblowers all came forward, all from uh, different roles within our government and all had military backgrounds. And one guy who described the floating anomalies he saw in the air as Tic Tacs, like a bunch of flying Tic Tacs, he, and I just played this just before you walked in, they defied the laws of physics. He said, well, he was Whoa. watching them. He's like, they didn't fly the way we understand physics to work. That to me is is cool and terrifying. Or he had drank a lot. The more I don't know. I also think it's interesting how aliens are only around America. Sure, like (laughs) as big as the planet is, are they not over? Are they not overseas? My my hope is that we're being more honest than other places. My Uh, my assumption is that maybe there's some other countries who'd lie more than us. But that's that's a positive way of who knows. I don't know. Or maybe they just like us a lot. Maybe the aliens see how great the world is. Or (laughs) I don't I don't know. Uh, another thing I saw, I like this. Uh, let me ask you: Do you feel like you're a, a hot person, a cold person? Do you feel like you have a you know a temperature where you're more comfortable in? Do you feel like you run hot or you run cold? Oh, like actual temperature? Yeah, like oh, your, yeah. your I body love, temperature. I love being hot. Okay. If people come over to my house, I actually I think it's funny because people come up to my house assuming that I have my AC on and it's not on. <laughs> it's off. The huh? windows are open. Okay. So do you think that you're naturally colder or hotter? Do you think I you think have? I think I'm always cold. Okay. So you're always cold. There we go. That's where I was going. So apparently oh, yes. there's a thing, and doctors just talked about this. All of us feel like we're naturally something more than the other, and then we like the opposite of whatever. So if you feel like you're colder, I feel the same way. I like the hot. Apparently, it's all about our our level of fitness, uh, our level of diet, the muscle mass we have, all of these things. Feeling colder might actually wind up demonstrating people who uh, might be in better shape is the easier way to describe it. Feeling warmer is someone who might have more uh, layers that prevent some uh, things from you know layers. cooling down. That's that's I'm going to say it. It's in here. They say fat layer under the skin that conserves heat uh, that thinner people mm. uh, don't have. Uh, so that's why you may run hot or cold, according to some 
some people that out makes, there. That makes total sense. Okay, so maybe we just do that based on what season it is. You put a little weight on for one uh, half of the year, <laughs> drop the weight a little bit more, and then everything's fine. Have you been dealing with the heat okay? Yeah, I love it. Okay. I was just actually, I have a jacuzzi. I didn't even turn the heat on. I just hopped in it regular, <laughs> yesterday. Uh, that's amazing. I love when it's hot outside. Mm-hmm. I love Vegas. I love everything about the heat. I'm okay. not going to lie to you. Was your jacuzzi jacuzzi temperature? No, it okay. wasn't. Okay. No, it wasn't. I didn't I, turn the heat on. I would have judged the world a little bit more if you can hop in a jacuzzi without turning it on and like it's 115 but in it, that water. I mean, it was, it was between sure. 11 and 2 o'clock yesterday. Gotcha. So yeah. it was probably about 90 degrees based off the outside temperature wow. alone. But that's, I didn't turn on the heat, no. That's fine. Well, thank you for um, uh, playing those <laughs> topics out with me. Uh, what else is going on? What have you been talking about on the TV? So ICC just... Open up a new workforce development center. Yes. Workforce sustainability center is what it's called on their campus. It costs $16 million. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. But it's going to help ICC kind of expand their trades program. Okay. We're talking about like solar panel installations, uh, HVAC, uh, the CDL, and highway construction. So they're going to be able to double their enrollment of students coming in. Apparently this summer, ICC saw a 7% increase in enrollment. Oh, wow. So by having this new... Uh, center and now students can have a hands-on experience about how to fix HVACs. Yeah. And I actually loved how I did that story like when I edited it. Mm-hmm. That's where my <laughs> nerdiness comes in. Nice. But I love it that. was pretty cool to see like so the HVAC system, I mean I know what I have in my house, yeah. but to see how they are working on like an old model like you might see in like an 80s house versus yeah. like the newer one. And then they even have some HVAC units that are in, like, a cramped closet so they can practice going inside someone's cramped closet. It's, it's funny you're talking about this, actually. Um, so I have a 96 Jeep that I've been told is not roadworthy anymore. I'm very sad about it, Brett. It's a very, it's a very big thing. I talked about it on the radio for a couple days. People are sending me tips for how to save my Jeep. Uh, but someone said I should donate it to ICC because they have a class and they like real-world uh, hands-on learning. They have oh, an automotive class. Yes. And this is sort of aligned with what you're talking about, are the real-world learning experiences uh, that they'll be able to give more students. So I contacted the teacher, and they said, they don't need my car. They're Whoa. Like, yeah. They looked at it, they're like, we, I don't know if we need to learn how to fix a car this old Made with these problems. Yeah. What color is your Jeep? I love it. It's a white uh, 96 Jeep Cherokee. It's an XJ. It's what they call it. It's like wow. the boxy one. Why did they say it's not broke? Is it going to break down on the road? No. There's two parts of the frame that they said if I got into a crash would sort of accordion style, oh. like the whole car would squish. Oh, my god! And so it would only really be bad for me. I would accordion with the vehicle. No. But crazy. everyone, right, everyone else would be fine. I'm not ready to let it go, though. There's a yeah. welder, I think, in Roanoke who is going to look at the Jeep at some point. Oh, Roanoke, out here. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Virginia. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm like, why you just went, <laughs> you just searched the whole country. Yeah, I'm finding this one this guy. Jeep? I'm flying the Jeep to him. No, no, my <laughs> wife would uh, divorce me if I did that. Uh, but no, he's, he told me not to be too hopeful, though. He was very nice about it. Um, yeah, Tom was like, I'm going to look. It might be a lot of things. Did and you I, have it since 96? No. I, I bought it in the mid-2000s. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. I've had it for a lot of its life, and I've been very proud of my Jeep Aww. and I's relationship. I know. I've my mom is holding it. on to a 1999 Toyota Camry. Really? That she still drives. Nice. Uh, I had a listener text me that said that their husband also has a 96 Jeep that hasn't worked for six years and is sitting in the front yard of their house. Oh, my gosh. And she begged me to steal it for parts. That's what she said. She goes, Collins, come over here. Just swap out the parts. You yeah, yeah. even know uh, it. So I might swing by. And she said the husband would be mad, uh, but we'll see. Uh, one other quick story for you that you covered. There was a music group uh, you were talking about, Yes. I think. Sleazed. So they are a, I think like a rock band, but they're ultimately a group of musicians. 
and they have a backpack drive happening tomorrow at the Hy-Vee on Sheridan. Cool. So I covered when they were collect- collecting donations at Emos on yes. Sunday. So they were trying to raise money and don- school supplies. So they wanted 100 backpacks. I think they actually reached their goal of getting 100 backpacks. Wow. And they are giving them out tomorrow at 10 a.m. On, at the Hy-Vee on Sheridan. So if you don't have a backpack yet for school starting next week, might wow. be a good place to get backpacks uh, and school supplies. Hy-Vee, Sheridan, get a backpack. That's awesome. 10 a.m. Uh, really good story. Uh, you got anything coming up you want to tease that people can see on TV? Yes. On Sunday, I am talking to a St. Jude runner who had a double knee replacement surgery, wow. and he's running to Memphis regardless. Wow. So his name is Scott Elger. This is his 33rd relay, or oh, his 33rd re- relay was in 2022, so this is his 34th. Mm-hmm. So he's taking part in the 465-mile relay on August 1st to the 5th, and he just had a double knee replacement surgery. So That's incredible. I can't remember, I can't see when exactly he had the surgery, but it, was, it happened over the course of this summer. i got to be honest. I love stories like that when they're in the news. Obviously, it's probably fun for you to report on it. it and is. then a part of me in the back of my head thinks, what is my excuse for not running in this? <laughs> if that guy can do it, why am I not doing it? It feels there's a part. I, I go negative in ways I shouldn't. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be in a dunk tank uh, at the end of that thing. I don't think oh, I told really? you that. Yeah. Oh, uh, The Neon Peter? Bison is going to do like the celebration when people make it back the uh, following weekend after the St. Jude run. Okay, let me put that in my notes then. <laughs> and I'll be in a dunk tank for a couple hours of their all-day long fundraiser. Uh, so uh, On August out. 5th? I think it's August 5th, yeah. Uh, oh, that's nice. That's kind, of, that's kind of pretty cool. See, that's what I'm okay, doing. Okay, so I will be there at Neon Bison on August 5th. And Throwing? Dunk fantastic. Tank. I'll that just run great. up and just hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Brett, for that. That's fantastic. Um, a quick break. A lot more. Thank you as always for hanging out with us. Thank you. Uh, Brett Brooks, 25 News. She's on there all the time. Check it out. Uh, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. Uh, this woman's story is amazing. Uh, so a 28-year-old woman named Aria has beaten death three times. Apparently, she survived a car accident when she was 16 uh, that should have killed her. Uh, they said it... it you know, was uh, just horrible and somehow, uh, some way, uh, she survived and was basically fine. She did get uh, treated in the emergency room, but it was not a near-life, uh, near-death experience the way they, they thought it would be uh, based on the wreck. Uh, she's now also beaten terminal cancer twice. Uh, twice doctors told her uh, that she had cancer that would not be, um, you know, something that would allow her to keep living her life. Uh, one of those times was also as a teenager, and then again, just somewhat more recently. Uh, this whole story, I, I guess, was talked about uh, in the news. Um, I think this is across the pond in the UK, and now it's a whole big, like, she's calling herself the CEO of Not Dying after three times uh, defeating what should have been a, a you know, end-of-her-life experience. I think this is a really cool thing to talk about and to put out there, especially in the world of the the health part, uh, because I think there are a lot of people, and maybe this is in the context of St. Jude, uh, too, and talking about how they're uh, starting their run from Memphis to here uh, next week. And St. Jude, of course, I assume you know, uh, but if you don't, uh, deals with kids and cancer, and they don't uh, give bills to the people that they wind up treating. Uh, There's never a bill. Uh, you can be flown to places. You can get advanced treatment. Uh, the, the access to care is incredible for anyone that gets accepted to St. Jude because, uh, you know, kids are, are people that it's like sort of shocking, uh, even struggle with some of the illnesses that we talk about. And, and not everyone uh, survives, which is something that I've, I've talked to parents before and done 
uh, radiothons. I know we do one within our group here. I know it's not at WMBD, but we do it within the group. Uh, and you talk to people who still have this love and, and appreciation for all the things St. Jude did to, to try uh, to save a kid. But I, I think that an aspect of what's so cool about this woman's story is that all the doctors said that, you know, uh, your chances were zero and they're, they're not always right. Um, and certainly continuing to get treatment and continuing to, to do everything you can to, to hope for a better outcome uh, makes sense. And it's part of her story here. And then also the car accident thing reminds me of myself and my motorcycle story uh, that I'm not going to tell you, but I've told in the air before. Uh, so this woman feels very, very good about her ability to survive death. And uh, I wouldn't blame her at all. But I thought it was a pretty cool story and certainly um, and a lot of uh, kids. Um, I think one last thing I should say about St. Jude, I don't want it to sound like I'm being in any way, shape, or form, anything other than um, heaping praise on the organization. I think they've actually, through a lot of their research, um, reduced the percentage of, of cases that have a, a bad outcome tremendously for a wide range of cancers uh, for both adults and kids uh, because of their dedication to that, that work. And so it's very cool that we have an event each year uh, where people run all the way from uh, Memphis to here. It's crazy that people do that including Brett uh, telling a story, Brett Brooks' uh, last segment about a guy who's got uh, double knee surgeries and does it. It makes me feel like I have to do it. It's, I just have to do it at some point, and I'm not in shape for that. Uh, other things out there, just quickly, uh, we'll get to the top five at five, the more serious, bigger news stories of the day in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, but a woman went viral uh, because she owns a three-year-old cat, uh, the name of the cat is Kiefer, I think. I think I'm getting that right. Maybe she's a huge fan of 24, um, the TV show on Kiefer Sutherland. But um, I, what I think is interesting about this is the size of the cat, since it's a world record giant cat, is the same as like a four-year-old child. It's as tall as, as large as, if it stood up directly on its feet. Um, she has uh, a 28-pound cat when it was two um, and 18 pounds are the typical um, weight of females, 12 pounds average weight of, of – or excuse me, I'm doing that backwards. 18 for men, 12 for female in the world of cats. Uh, the whole reason to bring this up – I'm butchering this story. Uh, the whole reason to talk about this is this is a record I would not want to have. Uh, I've talked about wanting a record before. I wouldn't want to own the largest any animal. I feel like that's a thing – it's way more hassle than it's worth and probably even like or the like world's largest watermelon or world's largest tomato or whatever the stuff is people go viral for. I feel like the hassle there is incredible. It's not worth it. And definitely this cat is probably eating way too much food and probably people in the neighborhood are accusing uh, the person of not doing good things in the world of the health of the cat. But I just thought it was interesting that it was out there. It was viral. She was bragging about it uh, because I, I would not want uh, that version of, of life. Not at all. Not not even a little bit. Uh, one last thing that I thought was kind of silly uh, that I saw out there. Uh, this is a woman in New Zealand that said she went to bed one night. She woke up the next morning and she had a mysterious six foot pole that had been cemented into her driveway uh, overnight. She doesn't know why. She doesn't know what people are doing. There's no second pole. Uh, there's no, like, you know, badminton or, or volleyball court being put in her driveway. No basketball hoop getting put up. She doesn't understand. She doesn't understand how no one saw what happened, how, how no one has had any reaction to it. Someone who maybe doesn't like her, maybe got confused at where a project was supposed to be, uh, just mysteriously cemented a six-foot pole overnight outside of her home. I, I think I would move in that situation. I don't know who it is that was doing that and why they did it, but I'd take that as a sign and be like, look, man, I don't want more of this. 
or at least install a camera. I think you got to go that road. But that's a weird thing to, to experience because I don't think you would know if people were trying to be mad. At you. Like, that's a lot of effort if someone just wanted to prank you in a very strange way. But all right, that's it for now. We'll take a break. We'll do the top five at five uh, after the news. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I do this every single day at this time. We call it the top five at five. Here we go. It's time for the top five at five on the Craig Collins Show. That's right. These are the five biggest stories, according to me, in no particular order. Please don't come after me for the order because I just kind of make that part up as I go along. Uh, but I do think that all this stuff is important. Uh, the first one, I just thought that this was interesting, and I don't know if I care at all about the way that, say, CNN or an MSNBC is discussing this. Uh, but there are new charges uh, against the former president in the world of the classified documents case. Uh, there are even Trump employee numbers. Uh, Trump employee number four, I think, is the most recent one uh, to be identified as someone who's the IT um, person at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, but all this is to say that Trump continued to make moves uh, as he was uh, trying not to give back classified documents to the government. Uh, those moves included asking to delete uh, surveillance footage, uh, camera footage. At least that's the accusation against the former president. Um, Here's my genuine reaction to all this at this point, because we can we can do it two ways. Uh, we can talk about the political uh, version of things. If you're on a side of the aisle that hates the former president, uh, you probably see this as the latest version of unforgivable sin uh, that you've probably already seen 100 times uh, over now as to why he has to be out, can't even be allowed to run, uh, should be thrown in jail. Uh, something that actually Trump uh, was recently asked about if he was put in jail would he end his presidential run? Because you don't have to. Uh, nothing in the rule says that if he was actually jailed, that he could um, he would have to give up his attempt to be our president. He said he would keep going. And I believe him on that. Uh, so that that's part one. And if you're on the other side of the aisle, the, the side that uh, and which is, I think, a, a big subset of the conservative side of the aisle, I think some people will represent Trumpsters as if it's a small amount of people. Uh, that are conservatives that support the former president. And all the data says that that's not true, uh, that a whole lot of people who identify as conservative also um, would willingly and prefer to vote uh, for Trump. But if you're on that side, you probably ignore all this as, as, as just noise, just more stupidity in the world of the Justice Department. And so politically, there's, there's almost nothing at this point that I think matters. Trump will continue to run for office. Uh, he has every chance and ability, if not by far the most likely scenario, that he will be the Republican nominee. And no matter what happens uh, via the Justice Department, uh, he will be someone who can be voted for um, most likely. I, I say this all with the assumption that he wins the nomination. Um, be voted for right up until that last moment uh, when we know who our president is. Um, because, again, I don't even think he would stop running if he was forced to run as an independent. And that would also destroy uh, the Republican Party's ability to, say, vote someone else. Uh, into all. It would be Biden would win uh, likely in a situation where the Republicans choose not Trump and Trump continues running and gets put in jail. Uh, these are all just things I'm assuming or telling you. I don't know if you agree. Uh, text me if you don't. 309-340-4464. But the thing I actually want to talk about is it feels like they're throwing everything they can at Trump in these cases. Uh, it feels like a lot of these additional uh, counts and and things and the likelihood of something over here and something over there, it just feels like you're stacking as many pieces. Even if you go 
and I know I like talking about this one a lot, to the case in Manhattan, it was like 30-something counts. And all of them were increased to felonies without even really justifying how that was happening. And so no matter who you are, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, I think it is easier than uh, some would want you to believe to look at the totality of things uh, that are happening uh, against the former president, the amount of counts, the amount of accusations, and be like, that's a lot of stuff. This is a lot of things. And again, I'm sure if you're of one mind, you think he deserved them, he did them all, it makes total sense. If you're of the other mind, you might say, how does Hunter Biden only get three counts, three things, four maybe, uh, that he's charged with, and a whole bunch more that they chose not to bring forward that they thought they could, uh, they being either the IRS or prosecution, and then Trump gets a million charges. It, se- it seems hard from a layman term- terms perspective to totally understand or justify. And I think that's part of the reason that the thing I said about the politics of all this is as true as it is, is that there, it does feel as though it's as desperate as it can be uh, to hold uh, the former president um, you know, as guilty as humanly possible for anything you could find him guilty of. Uh, which, I don't know, you don't see that very often. I guess I'll just say it that way. Some other stuff out there for the top five at five. Uh, Justice Samuel Alito uh, today uh, chose to temporarily freeze a lower court order that bars the government from regulating so-called ghost guns, uh, guns that are defined in, um, I think, the legislation as untraceable homemade weapons. Uh, We've had a gun expert on this show redefine it as not uh, exactly that, and certainly a lot of people who buy um, a, a gun the way you would envision them to buy it. And then there's components that are maybe purchased differently. Uh, but so the ghost gun thing is a back and forth thing. Uh, but what's interesting is it's just one Supreme Court justice who had unique authority over this case to be able to sort of unilaterally decide, that, you know what, uh, the ban that was in place or the the hold, the freeze is going to go away. Well, we still wait to uh, make more decisions on these regulations, which I think would be something that happens in in August, or at least there's the suggestion that a full Supreme Court will rule uh, on August 4th on this. But I thought it was interesting uh, the way in which this works and the way in which one justice could just sort of decide what they want to do here, at least in the here and now. Uh, other things out there that feel like big stories today, of course, the ongoing debate, if that's what you want to call it, in the world of um, Republicans, running for office and Governor DeSantis out of Florida and the rules that uh, were placed in Florida, the things he signed something into law a year ago uh, that I think is just now being implemented. And it's the latest sort of attack on uh, DeSantis, um, something about how they teach certain things in history, slavery among them uh, in classrooms in um, in Florida. I want to play Tim Scott's reaction. Uh, Tim Scott is a politician running for office, if you don't know, on the Republican side of the aisle. He's also a black man. Um, And so he has a unique response to this. And uh, this is something that's gone viral. And then I do want to play something DeSantis said today, because I I do think the part that's not even necessarily fully explained uh, by Tim Scott, maybe he's unaware, is what DeSantis has already said uh, that people are assuming he hasn't said or he's somehow said differently. Uh, But here's what Tim Scott said. You know, it's interesting, uh, as a country founded upon freedom, the greatest deprivation of freedom was slavery. Uh, there, is, there is no silver lining in freedom, in, in slavery. The truth is that anything you can learn, that any benefits that people suggest you had during slavery, you would have had as a free person. Uh, what slavery was was really about separating families, about mutilating humans, and even raping their wives. It was just devastating. So I would hope that every person 
in our country and certainly running for president would appreciate that. And listen, people have bad days. Sometimes they regret what they say. And we should uh, ask them again to clarify their positions. All right, so I have an opinion on this, and I, I kind of want to dive a different direction on how I go. But first, I should play the DeSantis audio so I don't uh, space too much from what Tim Scott said. Uh, DeSantis was questioned about this today, and he definitively answers the first question, even though the reporter behaves as though he doesn't, uh, by saying that he definitely thinks that slavery is bad and there's no good part to it. Uh, that's, I think, the way the question is asked. So here we go. We'll play that quickly. Were there beneficial aspects to slavery? That's not what the curriculum says. What, what the do you think? What the curric- no, there's, no, it's not. And the curriculum is very clear. You have The no, no, it's not part is the no. There is nothing beneficial about slavery. That's from DeSantis's own mouth. Uh, I think it's like 200 plus pages of all kinds of stuff that you can't read that. Have you read it? So what's your opinion? Have you read it? What's you your, re- I'm you asking your opinion. But, but you haven't read it, so I'm just, just making that clear. That makes it very clear about the injustices of slavery in vivid detail. So anyone that actually read that and then listens to Kamala would know that she's lying. And that particular provision about the skills, that was in spite of slavery, not because of. The AP course has made that same point. Other courses have made that same point. No. There are other people that um, discuss things similarly to how Ron DeSantis says they're discussed in classrooms in Florida. And he didn't write uh, the the educational approach to this. Uh, he signed a bill into law. And the people who created it, I know it's been mentioned other places, uh, include uh, people who are black. Uh, but anyway, the thing that I kind of focused on, the more I thought about this, I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people have read uh, this book that's out there in the world. Uh, it's called Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, it was written in 1946, I think. Uh, the name of the person who wrote it, Victor Frankel. Uh, he is someone who is an imprisoned um, um, member of uh, the Jewish community. He's Jewish uh, during the Nazi uh, World War II concentration camps. And so he describes a bunch of things he did to survive a horrific experience uh, being imprisoned and you know going through uh, essentially, and I, I love even just the title of that book, um, waking up every day and wondering what his meaning is, what his purpose is in life. Like he's, he's searching for reason at a time when reason doesn't exist. And I cannot put myself into the shoes of, of Victor Frankl. I cannot put myself into the shoes of anyone who is a victim of slavery or anything else uh, that exists in our, in our world. Uh, but one of the more inspiring aspects of man's search for meaning is that he finds purpose in life. He finds uh, reasons to exist, reasons to want to survive. Um, and he's um, you know, overcome with a bunch of different things throughout the book. There's even a, a feeling of positivity about life itself that I think he discusses in there. Um, and that's at a time when he's going through something horrific uh, because of um, his his race, his, his religion, his his identity, uh, who he is as a person. And so it's it's sort of amazing uh, to think that if there's a context in which we can teach about anyone who goes through anything or a culture, a society, a group of people who go through something horrific and they can find something to utilize uh, while they're going through that to to uh, make their life, um, you know, something that that has um, a positive uh, within it at a, at a later time in life, especially for, for people who were eventually uh, freed from slavery, uh, that should be an inspiring component of how you discuss something that is definitively horrific and not in any way, shape, or form, silver lining benefit sort of thing. This is the, 
the overcoming of certain things. It's, it's a very human thing, by the way. Um, when you get put in terrible situations as just a person, now I'm ranting on a thing. I'm not going to get to five today. We'll do more after the break. But when you get put in terrible situations, just as, as a human being, just in your own life right now, who's ever listening to the show, if you've dealt with something horrible, uh, whatever it might be, uh, maybe it's you personally. Uh, maybe if I have veterans who are listening to this show and you go and fight in, in conflict and in war and you see and experience things that many of us can't fathom, uh, the way in which you, you deal with that is part of what makes us human in sort of the most amazing of ways. It's the, it's the overcoming of the horrible, the horrific, the terrible on a personal level, on any kind of level uh, that causes uh, people to be inspired uh, by some of these. Me- so I, I think that. To me, especially with the way DeSantis has been talking about it more recently on the campaign trail, is the intention of something uh, that feels as though it's being reshaped and manipulated to be packaged as something horrible uh, that is being discussed now in political circles. Uh, and I might be overly kind to it. I don't know. I'm not in a classroom in Florida learning these lessons, but, but I believe that to be the intent of things like this. And again, if you haven't read it, I actually just highly recommend Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, because it's an, even the way in which he, he hid the book that he was creating and writing because he wasn't allowed to create and write a thing is sort of inspiring in and of itself and that he was able to um, you know document enough of his experience and it became published. It's very, very uh, well-known and a lot of psychological, um, uh, psychotherapeutic uh, aspects to it uh, that he describes in there that, again, it's, it's moving. And that's one man's experience of something also uh, horrific. Uh, again, not trying to compare it to, to slavery or anything else, but just saying that I, I believe uh, that when people have certain conversations in a certain way uh, and, and seem as though they're saying something that they're not saying, uh, that they might in fact actually be saying something that heaps more praise on people who deal with uh, or, or societies or whatever it is uh, that deal with just horrendous uh, things. All right, quick break, a lot more. The rest of the top five in just a bit. Preaching done, uh, 1470, 100.3. WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, top five at five continued, I guess, or the extras at uh, 525 is what I can call this segment. Um, I do think this story deserves to be mentioned as a top story of the week or day. Uh, it's the woman in Alabama who faked her own disappearance and also uh, lied to 911 uh, claiming she saw a toddler walking across the interstate. Uh, Carly Nicole, uh, Nicole, excuse me, Russell is going to be charged with misdemeanor crimes. Uh, the police actually in the um, uh, press conference they gave today said that they're as frustrated as maybe a lot of people who are familiar with the story in the country are. But uh, existing law only allows them to charge her with two misdemeanors. Uh, so she makes that call, totally makes something up and then disappears for um, a certain amount of hours, 49 hours, I think. Uh, people, the cops still don't know where she was, uh, but she eventually turned herself in. They actually don't even know if she acted alone. And one of the things they said is uniquely bad about this story is it brings up real uh, pain from real families that have dealt with um, a kidnapped loved one. Uh, but call in, fake a police report, say you see a toddler on the interstate that's not there and then disappear for a couple days and wind up being a story that people uh, cover and talk about in the news. This is insanity. Uh, and I don't know what reason will ever be given as to the why here, uh, but the why won't make any sense. 
Um, and, you know, even uh, speaking on today, Carly's mother described the moment they got to see their daughter for the first time since she disappeared. Uh, we tried to hug her as best we could, but I had to stand back because she was not in a good state. We had to stand back and let medical professionals help her. Uh, that was all stuff that got talked about when they thought she was uh, found and whatnot, even though this is all a giant hoax and a giant like lie. It's it's just crazy. I, I don't the desperation for attention feels like it's at a ridiculous fever pitch in our society like that. That thing, I think, is is damaging in an incredible amount of ways, because what I mean by like attention could be someone who thinks it's a good idea to make up a story like this and then disappear and get uh, kinds of attention for that. Or it could be someone that's just desperate enough to get interactions on social media that they uh, do things they shouldn't do. They take photos in a way they shouldn't take or they will regret later or whatever it is people do now. But this desire to, to have people pay attention to you, uh, me, whoever, uh, and it's weird a guy on the radio saying this, uh, but it's true. Um, the the need to be paid attention to is, is just at an, an all-time high for a lot of people uh, because we all have a platform. Uh, we all have multiple platforms or you can uh, put anything you want out there wherever you want it to go. And maybe there's something defeating about people not paying attention. So you go, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can understand this woman and her reasons for doing this. Uh, but I do think a byproduct of it is is the what you get out of it. I do think that's even true, however ridiculous it is to say this in context of this uh, situation, as to why we have the horrible acts of violence we see sometimes. Um, I think that an aspect of that is people who believe uh, that they'll be blanket covered all over the news, and that is something they want uh, for a horrific act, and so they do it. Or the people even like put up on social media some of the things they're doing. We're, we're having to figure out a way in society to discourage that by preventing those people from being household names, I think. But there's a component to this story, again, that just sort of is is ridiculous. Uh, one last thing. I'll just throw this out there. Last of the top five at five. Even though Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell literally froze as if someone pressed pause on a camera or on a, on a videotape for 20 seconds, he says he's fine and he's going to continue in his role uh, in our government. Uh, this also, of course, comes on the heels of Dianne Feinstein having the problems she had where people are telling her how to vote, and then also our president believing he caused or cured cancer, which pales in comparison uh, to the other two I'm talking about, but still feels valuable uh, to be put out there. All right, quick break, a lot more in a bit, including maybe um, um, Charlemagne the God's uh, take on all this, and actually also a conversation between Ron DeSantis and Megyn Kelly that I thought was interesting. But first, Will's got you covered. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Um, Eric Thurman, the quartermaster at the VFW in Peoria Heights, hangs out with me every Friday for a half hour or so. Uh, happy to have you hanging out. Uh, hey, part thanks of the for show. having me today. Uh, we're going to do a good story, bad story at some point in here. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of stuff. Uh, but first, you were just telling me uh, that you've been working in the heat all day today. What are you doing? What were you doing? We were replacing some of the fire alarm uh, devices over at the Morton Industries uh a result from their fire they had a month or two ago. Yeah, I remember that story. And it was uh, pretty hot back there. I can appreciate some of the guys working there. So but you're, you're up how high in the air? We're a little over 30 feet up in the air on a, okay. on a scissor lift. Okay, and there's no fans, there's no air conditioning, there's no nothing. No airflow, no nothing. How hot did it get for you? We estimated around between 120 to 140 degrees up there. What were you doing to stay, like, cool? Was there a ridiculous amount of water up there? What was <laughs> well, Man, Every, that's every crazy. time we had to come back down, we'd go yeah. into the break room and grab a big... 
uh, 32-ounce cup of glass of water. We went through quite a bit of water today. Gotcha. And also you said you guys would cool off at the cars and stuff? Yeah, on our break time, we go out to our vans and fire Man. it up and get the air conditioner going since Man. that's about the only thing air going around that place. You know, it's funny. I, I've been talking about weather and heat for the last couple of days, and then I get to sit inside and say stuff into a microphone. And so I know my job is not a job where I'm going to experience any of the problems, but uh, you, a uh, veteran, served and protected our country, uh, hanging out 30 feet in the air, 100-and-something degree weather, and then you still <laughs> swing by and do the show, man. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, why not? Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. Lisa, we weren't in Iraq doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Uh, let's do a good story, bad story real quick, and you can uh, be a part of this. I don't know why uh, some of the bad stories out there are what they are, but we'll, we'll do those in a second. First, the good story, though, and there's a couple. Uh, there's uh, some kids at a high school in Arizona found out their favorite teacher's wife needed heart surgery. It's a favorite teacher's wife. Uh, so they started to go fund me and raise $10,000 to help cover the medical bills. Uh, last uh, we checked, they almost had gotten to their goal. Uh, but because it sort of went viral and became all thing online, a bunch more people that had no idea about this wound up flooding uh, to help out too. Uh, something reminds me about what you guys do at the VFW in Peoria Heights because the kids find out that the teacher's family member needs help and they try to help just on their own. I know your bartenders do that about situations sometimes. You guys do that when you Mm -hmm. find out about things. It's the human nature thing that's so great and exists in our world. It's a compassion that we all should be having. You know, society's missing some of that. Yes. Uh, Not everybody in society, but there's a... There's a group of, of people that mm-hmm. just don't have that compassion for, the, you know, for elders and values and things like that anymore. So hopefully us getting involved with our youth and different youth programs that we do, yes. we're hoping to instill that uh, those values and virtues back again. Yeah, no, that's, not, that's a very cool thing. A young man walked into the VFW on uh, Veterans Day and just wanted to meet some veterans. He's also considering becoming um, uh, someone who joins our military. And then you guys embraced him, and you've created this whole, like, youth group thing around him. Absolutely. Uh, which is awesome. Uh, also, we have uh, something else coming up at the VFW, and this is going to um, be a benefit to a couple people who work there. You're throwing a baby shower on right. Saturday, right? Yeah, and it's this- wide open to the public, too. It's, uh, it's just come and enjoy some time. Um, Ray has been our chef now since, since, you know, I became an officer there. Him and I worked on getting that kitchen open probably about a year to two years before I got into office there. Wow. And uh, made it a reality to actually open that kitchen. The yeah. kitchen was closed for over 10 years. And uh, that guy just will bend over backwards for everybody. He'll cook anything you want as long as he's got the ingredients back in the kitchen. Sure. It doesn't have to be on the menu. He'll do it. Yep. Um, so we're going to throw him, a, him and his wife a little well, baby shower. And even like the family component or the, the you know, aspect of caring for your fellow man, even in a way like that where, where there's no sad story or no, like, you know, need to help somebody. It's just desire to do something that brings us together as people um, and invites people to a, a baby shower. I, I love something about those things. And you guys do a lot of that stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the good story. Now let's do some of the bad stories, some of the things that make us sad. And uh, there's a lot of those, uh, too. Uh, someone was throwing frozen bananas at passing cars. Uh, this happened in Pennsylvania. Uh, probably alcohol or something is involved. Um, they wound up getting in quite a bit of trouble because it doesn't matter what you're throwing at cars. Um, that's going to be a problem, especially if it's on the highway. Uh, but there's also a sergeant, I think, that talks about this, hunting down the culprit. Uh, which wound up being uh, a woman that definitely didn't seem in her right frame of mind. I'll play some of the audio. I don't know how you choose frozen banana. I guess that's the part to me I'm confused about, but here we go. 
There appears to be a pickup truck, uh, two-tone in color, and that picture actually has the banana in mid-flight. Five vehicles traveling <laughs> eastbound on Hex Highway, uh-huh. and a vehicle traveling westbound through frozen bananas and struck windshields and other car parts. Yeah, it actually is somewhat dangerous uh, what's going on here. But again, I don't know how the person picks frozen bananas and has the amount of bananas you know, in storage to do all this. But one woman seemed to have done all this alone. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like speechless on why she would pick up bananas. I know, and why they'd be fro Like, why? So many different aspects She's of it. She's got to be peeled, though. I know that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, one other one, as far as a bad story goes, a uh, guy wound up pretty intoxicated uh, and wound up uh, getting a ticket for uh, driving drunk. Here's the part that might make it funny and not something we say, you know, uh, be careful. He was on a riding lawnmower, so he wasn't actually on... Uh, a vehicle that could go very fast. He was just mowing uh, down a street near his house when the cops, and this, I think, happened in Australia, uh, pulled him over on the ride-on lawnmower and said, what are you doing, sir, and then gave him a breathalyzer. Point two is what he blew, which is very, very high. And so he got a DUI, even though he was on a vehicle that probably wouldn't have caused a lot of problems, (laughs) and he also was not mowing any actual grass. Um, That's a level I've never gotten to. In the world of drinking. Well, I'm sure we've all seen the video on on Facebook where the guy's driving a scissor lift through town <laughs> uh, and getting pulled over for sure. driving while intoxicated. Sure. But a real life story also on a submarine base over in, in uh, San Diego, we had one of our shipmates uh, was driving drunk on a bicycle and he actually got. Did he get DUI, in a lot of trouble? He got a DUI from the military police. Wow. Which that's a big whammy on, on yeah. base. So, yeah. Yeah, you had to deal with that for quite a while. Yeah, no, that's not the kind of thing you want to do. You should not try to drive anything, even something that's not necessarily dangerous while intoxicated. I, I don't know why guys pick um, bicycles. Why? You know what? Actually, it's, you reminded me, and my buddy's not going to be happy I tell this story. Uh, in college, uh, we had a dude that had one of those, like, scooter things, like those electric scooter things. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he had way too much to drink. And the thing only went, like, five or six miles an hour. It was not dangerous. Uh, but he wound up getting caught on campus, driving it around and getting a DUI. And, st- and it also was a pretty big legal problem for him for a bit there. And his complaint the whole time was, like, he couldn't have done damage to anyone, maybe himself but not anybody, but it's not okay. It's not legal. No, no. And a lot of us did enjoy the fact that he got in trouble the way he got in trouble. <laughs> like, that was probably another negative aspect to it. Sure. Um, but, yes, no, that's still not a good idea. Um, other things out there that I think are interesting, I'm going to save a story uh, till the very end of the show uh, for reasons that I think I've described to you a second ago. Uh, but let's go, actually, to stuff going on at the VFW. Um, you guys have the um, baby shower, like I said the other day. Yep, that's on Sunday That's on Sunday, Sunday. at 3. Okay, yep. not Saturday. It's on Sunday at it's 3. It's on Sunday at 3. And All then right. we have karaoke tonight, 7 nice. o'clock. Uh, so come on down and be the star that you are. Nice. I like and, you uh, saying it that way. Absolutely. And you have that every single month? How it's, often do you Yeah, it? we do it the first. Uh, it's the first and last Friday of, of the month. Okay. And then we have a trivia on the first Monday of the month. Cool. Uh, you also have a Craig Collins drink. We um, always have a Craig Collins drink. And we always have a Craig Collins special. Fantastic. And and, uh, we're trying to incorporate all those specials, not only giving the benefit of a break on the price, also a way to donate into the the toy drive. Yes. Yeah, please. Because if you buy the Craig Collins uh, drink, uh, you spend three bucks, but one of those three dollars goes to the toy drive you guys do at the end of the year. uh, Absolutely. Well, you do it all year long, uh, which is very cool. Uh, You also are involved with Freedom Paws, and they had uh, something they were talking about uh, with our morning show uh, this morning. What's going on for Freedom Paws? Yes, they have an Armed Forces Day up in the Peoria Heights at the Poor Brothers Tap. Yes. Um, And all the benefits of that will go to the Freedom Paws, and that's on September 9th. That's an all-day event. Um, we're involved with that, and they try to get other veteran organizations as well. So you can kind of see what we all do. 
pick and choose what organization you may want to join or become a member of. Cool. Um, you come down and, and actually just donate and make sure that uh, Freedom Pause is financially successful for what they do. They have a very expense, uh, uh, heavy expenditure type organization. Thing. Yeah. Well, training they train dogs to help veterans. Sure. Yeah. And they got all the vet bills and things like that, and that's, mm-hmm. that adds up pretty quick. So we try to give them as much as we can to help them out. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah, cool. It sounds like a really great event. I haven't been to it before, but I, I plan to go uh, this year, um, and I look forward to hanging out with you guys there and learning more about because uh, it's it's a bunch of veteran organizations, right? Absolutely, yep. Okay. How mm-hmm. big of an event are we talking? And I think they were saying it was sold out, too, already. It could be. I mean, you can still show up, and that's there's other things. There's in the different events all day, right? Cool. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we have tables and booths set up. Wow. Um, got different things that you know, so you can learn about the Navy Marine Corps Club. Sure. The VFWs, American Legions, uh, things like that, and other organizations such cool. as Freedom Paws. Fantastic, man. I'm yeah. glad we do that. Um, a quick break, a lot more. I got the quartermaster of the VFW hanging out. Uh, I have a story I'm going to tell you at the end of this that's uh, probably going to uh, have you have some reactions to it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a little adult in nature, but I'm sure he can handle it. I know he can handle it. Uh, that and more coming up in a bit. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Buddy of mine, Eric, the quartermaster at the VFW, hanging out. Um, getting to know you a little bit better uh, since I get the shot, uh, the opportunity to talk to you each week uh, on the air and then talk to you when I go to the VFW in Peoria Heights. Uh, you love racing, and you used to race, right? You used That's to drive. Correct, yeah. Okay. What did you race? What did you do? Tell me that stuff. I raced Modifieds, and I, my home track was Spoon River Speedway, but we've gone as far as uh, Bluegrass, Iowa, okay. uh, local tracks here only. So I have a couple questions in that world. Uh, the first one being, after you've driven cars that fast in that kind of situation, how do you get behind the wheel of a car and just drive it normal? Now, like, is there <laughs> is there ever a moment where you're like, I would like to go a little faster? Well, most of your drivers that drive race cars, when they get in a, like a regular car, it's boring to them. So yeah. there's the excitements are gone. Okay. But you're in that that big car and, and you got all that power. Mm-hmm. You just got to take it and, gotcha. and try to put so it on that edge. The capability of the car is what makes you not want to try to drive it fast because you know it's not. Okay, I gotcha. That's good to know because. Mean having never actually raced before thinks I could try to race my Jeep places. My Jeep is is supposed to be dead, by the way. We can talk about that later. Uh, we <laughs> might do something at the VFW about it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about racing, and um, I think this is interesting, is I've been seeing stories pop up, maybe a bunch recently, but I know it's sort of a consistent thing in the world of NASCAR, uh, about drivers being mad at other drivers, calling them all kinds of names. I think there's a couple stories today out there about stuff like this happening. Uh, I can't imagine the amount of um, you know, emotions that goes into the world of racing, and especially if you wind up getting knocked out of a race by somebody. Can you talk a little bit about why there oh, seems yeah. to be so many, like, WWE-style feuds in the world sure, of NASCAR? Sure, sure. And, and there's a difference between local guys and your NASCAR guys. NASCAR guys, they're fighting because they're losing points. They sure. could care about the monetary damage to the vehicle. Sure. That's already covered. And your local guys, those guys are fighting because you just torn up a $10,000 race car that comes out of this guy's pocket. Yeah. So there's a little bit of difference there, a uh, difference in the, the attitude, I guess, when it comes to time for sure. retaliation. And the amount of damage and other things. Do you remember any feuds? Is there anybody you want to out anybody on the radio? I won't say hated? names, but I've been uh, I've been suspended off a track for Have rough you? driving. Absolutely. Okay. Is this somebody that deserved it? I imagine yeah, they did. I think so. I was yeah. leading a race. I was leading a heat race, which is like just to get your position for the feature. Yeah. And I was leading, and he, and he was a track champion, so he thought I had to lift up every time he got oh, near me, gotcha. so he could just run his race and, and become a leader. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I have got my line. You drive around me. Yeah. If you've got 
got the car. Well, he took me out in turns one and two at Spoon River Speedway. Wow. Spun me around. So, of course, you can't talk. So I put both my hands in the air like, why'd you do that? Yeah. And he gave me the finger. So guess what? <laughs> I fired that bad boy back up, and I come around turns three and four oh, full man. speed. Rearing at him, he put his whole back into my in his car on the yeah. front hood of my car. You know what's funny? So it, yeah, it just dawned on me because I've been flipped the bird as somebody driving, and I've never understood. Like I, I don't do it. I get mad at <laughs> other drivers, I, but I don't understand what I win in that moment. Um, but I sort of enjoy it when somebody gives me the bird. Anyone listening to the show right now, please don't. I take this and decide to do it next time you see me out there. But it's because I'm amused by it. I'm amused by whatever it is they're getting off their their chest. I've never thought in the world of what you do, what you've done racing, how much more magnified that'll feel. Oh yeah, like the, yeah. and I, I gained a lot of more fans that buy that as well. Sure, I'm you sure know, you did. So it's just hey, let's let's yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, well, how um, how aggressive do people drive if they're paying for all their own vehicles? Is there something like when I go play a poker game? At a casino, I know I don't have the same cash as other people, so I play more conservative. Do you think the racing is the same racing still? To an extent. I mean, you're still wanting to take that car. The whole the whole key to a dirt track racing is taking that car and pushing every envelope possible and taking it to be out of control but yet still controlled. Sure. So that's your line that you're looking for. Now, if you go and do that and you do it in a group of cars, more than likely you're going to do some damage to your vehicle. Depending sure. on how much you made at work that week. Might tell wow. you how much more aggressive you can be. <laughs> I so. got you. And if you have people that are investing with you on any of that stuff. Sure, and that yeah. always helps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. is just other stuff out there, um, my racing questions for you uh, over. And I'm saving one story, as I said, till we have just about a minute left, and that's all we're going to get to react to this. Uh, nearly half of Americans would avoid stores without drive throughs uh, This is a recent survey that people did. Um, apparently, we're getting more and more reliant on the drive through uh, is that a feeling you have? Is that a feeling you've noticed a lot? I know the VFW doesn't have a drive-thru, probably can as a bar. That seems like a bad <laughs> idea. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that half of people are like, nah, you know what? If I can't stay in my car this whole time, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to go inside. Yeah, I used to hate drive throughs until COVID. And in COVID, you were forced to do drive through Yeah. And and now I'm still not a big fan of drive through Me but neither. I, but I'm a little more tolerant now than what I was. I'm still disappointed on the service and quality service. Sure. You figured after all the COVID that they would have all this down to a science. Right. But uh, that's not the story. <laughs> well, what's interesting, though, about it to me, and it's sort of what you, you tapped on right there and why I think both you and I like to go in is like where we like to be around people. It, it's not Absolutely. It's not a negative component. And I wonder if more and more people are, are starting to feel a certain way and these numbers are going the way they are uh, because – and you could also tie this to COVID – more and more people don't really want to be around uh, others that much. <laughs> they want to stay in their car. They want to, you know, go through a drive through whatever it is, and then go back home. Uh, it feels like disconnection is something that's pretty significant and something you guys fight a lot, I think, at the VFW. Yeah. Uh, and actually, that goes back to the example of throwing a, um, a baby shower for members of your staff and inviting the public to come. Oh, sure. That's the exact opposite of what this is that people are talking about. Well, and you get some people that get turned in, inside and don't have a way to, to get that out. I mean, if you notice, a lot of people were cooped up during all the COVID, but yet yes. they had a great release whenever we could start doing things again. So that's what we try to promote that all the time anyway. No, I, I think it's a healthy thing, and I think maybe especially younger generations, I'm not trying to hate. I'm a millennial for anyone thinking I'm, I'm you know, somebody – uh, that's not uh, aware, uh, but all the social media, all the connections you make online uh, might be distracting people from uh, being connected in real life. Uh, one other one that I think is interesting, and this is an age thing, and you can give us some sage wisdom, I think, Eric. <laughs> uh, but young people, especially Gen Z, are trying to, quote, gaslight their bosses into getting fired. 
Uh, this is the newest approach to losing your job. You don't want to quit. You don't want to quiet quit. You don't want to, you know, virally quit. You want to get in trouble somehow or make someone mad enough at you in a way that might even somehow be, you know, quote unquote, not a reason to get fired. The gaslighting thing, I think, is just like bringing up stuff that might make people mad. Um, but that's the that's the idea. That's the the latest viral trend is make someone you work for mad enough to want to can you. What is your reaction to any young Common person sense. that wants to do uh, those kind of things? I don't know why that just went off. I think we're trying to fix some stuff. Absolute uh, what's, silliness what's, is what I think. Yeah, is that is that your reaction to it? That it is. Just sort uh, of it's silly. I mean, it's. I mean, if you don't want to work there, don't work there. Right. Yes. You, you know, you don't need to have that version of. Right. right okay. It's just that woke. I guess that whole woke mentality that everybody's sure. trying to cancel or whatever you want to call it. Sure. It's all it's all the, the, the Weasley type things of, of doing what you're trying to accomplish. You know, it's actually interesting that you say it as simplistically as like, if you don't want to work there, don't work there. Because I think there are a lot of younger people. And I, I know some people in my generation as a millennial that can't handle basic conversations. Like they even they don't want to go quit a job because they think it would be too weird to do that. So it's an odd emotion to be like, I can't handle this. I mean, there's classes where younger people are being taught how to be a part of like a, a meeting in a workplace that's in person. There's people that are educating. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Because of the amount of removal that exists. All right. One other thing before we get to the salacious topic uh, that I'll enjoy as the end of the show. Uh, do you say iced tea or iced Tea. Uh, this is a debate right now online. Oh my goodness! I I C E or I C E D. Old school is iced tea. Iced tea with a iced with tea. a D at the end of it, right? Okay, cool. That's what I say. That's what fifty percent of people say. Uh, younger people, I guess, twenty percent of people say iced tea. Uh, I feel like that's just a human. I don't think that that's a drink. <laughs> All right, here's the last topic, and we're going to have to do this delicately, but I do enjoy it a lot. Uh, I saw it in the New York Post. Uh, a guy was in the news, and I don't know how you find out about his story. Uh, he has a unique thing. He has two of something that most men only have one of, and a unique part of their body. I don't want to go any further than that. He's got two of them, and they, they work exactly the same as all the rest of us and our one works. And so he said the most awkward thing in his life is telling someone he's dating about this and then them not believing him. And then at some point, maybe some of these uh, young or these, these women in his life find out he's telling the truth. Because they both function the same way, independent of each other. What is your reaction to this story? What would Man, you say? the dollars I could make at the bar with that joke. <laughs> so many things we can't say on the radio. Right. But we'll talk about like a unique problem in the world of dating that you don't know how to bring up or how to discuss. And it winds up being in the news. And now he's other places and other people are probably talking about him. Uh, and I don't think there's any reason uh, why it happened medically. He's just lucky or unlucky. Well, sure like you said before, be. you got horses with two uh, two heads or cows with two heads. I mean, <laughs> well, right. And I guess and it's, it's possible there. It's it's a sure a freak of nature. I guess it it may answer the age old question: Is there ever too much of a good thing? There might be in some situations. <laughs> there might be too much. 